This is Matt Brown, and you're listening to Just a Good Conversation. My guest today is Marcus Yam. Marcus has an impressive list of photography accomplishments, winning the Pulitzer Prize twice, the Robert F. Kennedy Human Rights Journalism Award, the Scripps Howard Visual Award, Picture of the Year for International Photographer, and an Emmy. I had the pleasure in 2006 at the Sports Shooter Academy Workshop to meet and instruct Marcus. Over a decade later, I had a chance to sit down and talk with Marcus before he leaves the States as the first international-based staff photographer for the Los Angeles Times. Living in New York, I was working almost seven days a week, like shooting two assignments a day, like just doing their dailies, you know, you know, one to two assignments. Uh, and then for big news coverage, I would just stay on and try to do as much as I can. So this is freelancers. I mean, not any different from any other freelancer in New York. I didn't think I... At that point, I also realized I, I don't think, I didn't think I was that much of a standout in New York. And I, in fact, I thought I was pretty mediocre in New York looking back. And I was just like, hmm, this was okay time. I think the only thing that I had for me was that like, I lived cheap. I had a, a, a very cheap apartment in uh, upper Manhattan, like all the way up in the 200th street. Like, wow. you know, like lived with the Russians and Dominicans. Like my overhead was low. I did not. <laughs> I chose to live up there because I did not want to live in Brooklyn where, where everybody was living. Oh, God. It was also expensive. And I also thought to myself, Smart well, the only kid. way I was going to make it as a, a, a daily photographer is I, is I live geographically separate from the other photographers. I'm Matt Brown, host of Just a Good Conversation. Take a listen to our archives. We've had such guests who have been awarded the Silver Star, won an Emmy, and former Cal State Fullerton Sports Information Director... Mel Franks. Northern Iowa, which is Cedar Falls, Iowa, I believe, David Dome. So it's, you know, it's a long walk to the locker room. You know, Brad Holland was the head coach, Ed Gorgian's his assistant. They go back and talk to the team. They send the team out and they get talking. And I guess they don't realize how far they have to walk. The second half is ready to start and there's no coaches. The referee's looking around. I'm sitting at the end of the press table doing the radio announcer. We got the headset on. I said, same five that started. And I, so I said, hey, you guys, you're five starters. They played about a minute before the coaches ever got there. Did you call plays or did you just let them run? Oh, I had no idea how to call plays. <laughs> Go to justagoodconversation.com for all our archives. Let's take a quick break for a sponsor before our conversation with Marcus Yam. Marcus Yam, thank you for giving me your time. This oh. is great. <laughs> You're welcome. How are you? I'm good. It's good I'm to good. see you. Likewise. I it's haven't been... seen you in a while. You look a little more mature. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I think it's been, what, a decade or more? Yeah. A decade? Right, since yeah. you're in the workshop? It's been, I, it's, a, it's been a long time. Yeah. 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 You shed some of that uh, innocent boy look like you got, like, uh, some man time behind you now. You've seen some things. Oh, man. I don't know about that. I think I just starved <laughs> a lot more. <laughs> That'll do it to you <laughs> immediately. I think if you spend a decade being a newspaper photographer, you'll end up starving and being skinny. Yeah, it'll change your whole face right away. Yeah, literally. You just have less to eat automatically. <laughs> How's the world treating you? It's good. I would say it's been uh, it's been an interesting... Uh, I mean, I tell people I've been working in this business for about a decade now. So it's been an interesting decade just hopping around and, and learning things and working with a lot of people and having interesting like life experiences along the way. You know, 10 years in photojournalism or dog years, that's like probably 60. Yeah. True. Yeah. True. It's not like, you know, working at Starbucks, would that would be just 10 years. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> You've seen a lot. Yeah, it's probably... It feels like more than 10 years. It feels like I've lived 
many lives already at this point. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I mean, it's just one of these. It's just one of these things where I would say that, like, I don't know. It's been an interesting ride. Well, tell me where the ride started. As a young lad in Malaysia. Okay. I was a young lad in Malaysia. Did um, you grow up with a big family, small family? I grew up with a big family. Uh, uh, four, four, four of us siblings. One, three brothers, three boys, and one girl. <laughs> okay. Where are you at? You in the middle? You in the end? No. General of the Army. Uh, right. <laughs> On top of the food chain. No. <laughs> no, no. I was the oldest, and, uh, and, uh, and uh, I grew up in a very un- in a quiet life in a suburb in, outside of Kuala Lumpur. Okay. Uh, was a pretty normal kid, pretty troublesome kid. Uh, I think, I think, I don't. If you had told me what I would become or 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 who I would become, I would I would tell you you're kidding. Like I would not believe you. Well, like, sure. When we I all was thought we were going to be fire truck, uh, firemen, or astronauts, or something at exactly. seven. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No. What did you think you were going to be at like ten? Let's see. When I was ten, well, when I was ten, I wanted to be an astronaut. Okay, I really there you did. go. Yeah, but when I was sixteen, I wanted to be an esports gamer, <laughs> 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 and I was on my way to becoming one. Like practicing all the time. I was putting in the ten thousand hour rule. Like you know, like I literally was playing games from like eight a.m. to like midnight. What was your game? Uh, it was a mix between Counter Strike okay. and StarCraft. Yep, I've seen those be played in my house. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, 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 find, I, I feel very fortunate to have to have the experience of playing Counter Strike before it was actually a real like separate game by itself. Like this was when I think it was still a, a skin of an old game called Half Life. Okay, you know, um, and you just felt that was your game. Yeah, I mean, first-person shooter games. I mean, this was like before Call of Duty was like a a real thing, basically. Right. Uh, and uh, and esports wasn't even a thing yet. No. no. No, no. This was the beginning of it. Like I remember, I had a team. My best friend was was on the team. We played all the time. We practiced together all the time, and um, we would compete sometimes on some weekends and some tournaments, oh. and we'd win a few hundred dollars. Oh, you big know? man! And I thought to myself. If I can keep this up every week, you know, two hundred dollars, three hundred dollars a week, that's I could I could really make a living out of this. Yeah. Oh sure. You know, sponsorship deals. Sixteen, be- seventeen. You think three hundred dollars a week is a lot of money? Yeah. But, you know, you you know. You were playing games. Yeah. It was. Yeah, I used all that money to buy gadgets. I bought like. Bought like wireless Bluetooth headsets. I bought like a, a thing. I'm dating myself now. I bought a, a Palm PDA. Oh, like you remember those? Yes. Wow. Learned, I learned how to program on the Palm PDA. <laughs> you know, bought computer parts. You Did know. you have a cool your own cool controller? Uh, no, I just played on the li- for the, the key- games on the keyboard. Did your keyboard light up or anything? Did you go? No, we that had elaborate? none of that. We because we, we would play in internet cafes. Oh, okay. That had the very rudimentary like right, computers just back keyboard, then, like, yeah. you know, straight up old fashioned mechanical keyboard. Now there's like chairs and like all yeah, we, had, we had nothing. We only the the best thing we had were was a team T-shirt. Okay. Like not even t-shirt, a team polo shirt that we all wore together. I think it was like what color? Baby blue or oh. something. Like I, I can't remember what it was. Like, How did you guys pick baby blue? Just what was available? 
I think we all like Baby Blue. Uh, I mean, I mean that's what I remembered in my head. I could be wrong, um, <laughs> but yeah, we we played as a team. We were decent at it. I was decent at it. Uh, I mean. My fingers don't move as quickly anymore these days. <laughs> <laughs> blew them out early. Yeah, I blew them out. I might be getting like arthritis now. Like, Isn't it know. funny how fast you were able to move back then and play those games and just hit all those keys? Yeah, I mean, you're just moving like you're you're almost like a fighter pilot. You're like you know yeah. you're you're responding. Your 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 sensory perception is heightened. You know, I was like didn't think, just didn't did think. It. You know, you just acted basically. Like you're just so fast. I remember. I remember like it's one of those games where you could just like click around and 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 you don't have time to like consider options you're no. just kind of like moving quickly through a maze or something and just like shoot him up basically but you know that being said that that came to an end um when uh when my mom like I think one day decided to put an end to it <laughs> came over to my computer tossed a bucket of water into my computer oh. and it was just like I watched my computer like kind of go up in smokes <laughs> <laughs> Mom made the decision. I guess so. Wow. And um, I remember that moment in my life, you know, kind of like, oh. But then it wasn't even that moment. And then uh, I, I, it was just a lot of little things. I, 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 I changed high schools. I was kind of, uh, I don't know how to put it in a gentler way. Was kind of kicked out of high school. Okay. Removed. Removed from high school <laughs> uh, for having like. You know, terrible attendance, terrible grades. It was 16, you know, like you know, junior year or something. So I went from that school to another school, started all over again, was a super rebel, continued to play games, uh, had a hundred day of attendance out of the whole year. Like, you know, <laughs> look at chemistry professor in the eye and just like passed out during an exam. Like, you know. Because you'd been up all night playing. Exactly. Like I was that kid, like the most... You know, people would call me the, the devil child. Right. So. But, you know, it's funny. Like, when you're 16, you're not seeing that. It's all about playing that game, eating Cheetos and, you know, Mountain Dew and just getting through the night and trying to get to the next level and win. Yeah, I mean, you're just trying to... I think it was, it was very pure. When you were 16, you were just trying to live the best life you you could ever have. Right. And, and whatever life that was, no matter how narrow or, or narrow-minded it was, like, you're just trying to live the best possible life with your friends or with yourself or whatever, right? Would you change a thing? No. Oh, yeah, no. exactly, because it mean, was the best! I mean, I got my the, my rebel thing out of the way, and, like, <laughs> I don't have to rebel anymore, so I got my little, like, angsty period of my life out of the way. Uh, so, yeah, I, I wouldn't change a thing. I mean, I could say I've done it, you know? Exactly. I mean, you didn't, you didn't end up in a prison, for God's sake. You just played a lot of video games. Not that I know of. <laughs> <laughs> you don't think your life is like the end of Hangover, where all those photos are showing up, and you're like, oh my God, I had a facial tattoo, and ended up with hookers in the end of the night when you're 16, and that never happened. I mean, I don't remember most of it. I mean, I don't remember a lot of my life when I was younger. I do remember making a pack with my best friend when we were playing, we were on the road to becoming gamers we were going to drop out of high school together we're going to do this together and uh like maybe like a month or less before my uh o-levels equivalent like which is the sats in right. malaysia i had this like like this flash forward in my life like if one of the first ones i've ever had in my life is like kind of like an epiphany moment you wake up and you like go you see your life flash before your very eyes and i realize Oh, 
if I go down this road, I'm going to become like this. Oh, this is my <laughs> life. And I saw the life I was going to live, and I kind of, it scared me shitless. And I decided, all right, I'm going to figure out how to pass this like high school like equivalency exam. So I went to my,、uh, the few friends that I had in high school, who, a few friends left that I had in high school, and just said, hey, I,、uh, I think I'm going to study for this exam. Will you guys help me out? <laughs> and they all were shocked because these are guys studying to be doctors and, and engineers and all that. And it's like four or five of them. And they were like, are you sure? I was like, yeah. So they all took turns and they like, sat me down in a library eight hours a day、like, and made me study with them. Wow. For like the last three or four weeks leading up to this exam. And I just crunched like, and grinded for like a month. Those are buddies. True buddies. They were really good. I mean,、uh, they all ended up being doctors and, and,、uh, and engineers after that. So, like, you know, they were all successful in life afterwards. And I, I never forgot what they did for me. That's and, nice. And, and I walked away from that. High school equivalency exam with like somewhat flying colors, like five A's out of nine subjects, basically, you know, which was just barely enough in Malaysia to get me into a community college. <laughs> God. <laughs> They're not a community college. They're like, it felt like a community college, but it was like a, not the top tier college, you know, that. Right. Sent students to like where Malaysians love to go to, which was like the UK and Australia. Like, the best I could do was qualify for the American program. And in Malaysia, when you told people you're going to America to study, everybody laughed at you. Right. They were like, you know, why, why aren't you going to the UK, <laughs> Australia? Those are two better you know, countries to go to. And I just remember, you know, living with this stigma like, oh, is America the butt of all jokes? Like, <laughs> 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 This is as good as it gets. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, but the American program has since like, grown. And I think everybody wants to come to America to study now. And since I you know, went to college there, you know, that program has grown. And America has been such a hot destination for, for. What do you think that change was? You know, I, I don't know. I really don't know. It just changed. I mean, like, I remember when I came, nobody wanted to come here. In fact, like, the, the, the rate of international students coming to the US from like, Asia was still somewhat low. But I think it was maybe because globalization happened. Like, you know,、That's、more students it, from Asia were starting to come over here to America. Maybe because also the exchange rates were better.、Okay. Like, it, it's really expensive to go to the UK to study. Yeah. You know? And you can only study a few things there architecture, law, medicine, like, you know. So your options are limited. Yeah. And I think more people wanted to study liberal arts and like all the other stuff. Like, and, and, you know, but I don't know. But I wanted to, at that point, I,、uh, I, when I had my flash forward, I decided I was going to follow my dream and try to be. I was going to try to be an aerospace engineer in hopes of one day like working for NASA or something, you know, maybe, just maybe become a civilian astronaut. <laughs> so I put my hand, I had a little globe in my room, and I hope that that globe is still there. Maybe not, but I had a, my hand on one hand on Malaysia and my one other finger on the other side of the globe, and it was just loosely placed. I remember like looking at the globe and I, I'm going to America. That's how, I, that's how I ended up in the American program. Have you ever even left Malaysia at that time? No, I was just born and raised. Like, kind of like, I mean, we went, I went over, I might have gone to like Thailand or Singapore for、okay. family vacations, and, but not, 
not anywhere. I mean, I was just but so nothing like, that far. Just tortoise under a rock, basically. At that point, like never even seen snow in my life. <laughs> oh, like <man>. you know. <laughs> so how do you then pick any university in, in the U.S. because you've got so many to choose from? Uh, you know, I I got into my. I worked hard in that like uh, prep college, and and I got into a few schools at like Texas A and M, Embry Riddle, which okay. was my number one choice, mm-hmm. uh, which was also in Daytona. So right, that's, that was right a there. huge selling point. And then a few other schools, I don't remember which ones, but and and Buffalo. Uh, why I went with Buffalo was, I mean, this is a, let this be a lesson to all young boys growing up I followed a girlfriend <laughs> <laughs> to Buffalo so women women get you every time love you think love will solve the problem but it doesn't so I followed my heart what, what, what woman was going to Buffalo <laughs> I followed my girlfriend at that time who was a, a pharmacy major and Buffalo was well known for their pharmacy program and in order to stay together I, I looked up the aerospace program in Buffalo and they had one it wasn't great but they had one that's a surprise I wouldn't think Buffalo would but okay yeah I mean they had a they had a wind tunnel too like they have a mechanical and aerospace program it was decent like I was like (laughs) okay I can I can I can swing this okay I was like no idea where Buffalo was but I was like it's you know she didn't tell you I mean she said upstate New York and I thought you know, you hear in New York, you're like, oh, all right, okay, all right, right. And I get up there, all I have was Niagara Falls, and I was like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, you're closer to Canada than you are to Manhattan. I know, I know. So it was quite a, a culture shock landing in the U.S. as like, a, a, as that, you know, that '70s show, that phrase, "Fez," yes. foreign exchange student. Like you're just like, with two, I remember showing up with two suitcases, and go showing up to my dorm, and my roommate, uh, his name was Ben at that time was a, a a wrestler so he was sitting there like half naked in his shorts like eating watermelon like getting fanned by his parents like you know they were all like helping him get situated and i'm just like what did i walk into like you know you had never even seen it you never oh my god first sight dropping into buffalo and that's your school yeah with two suitcases oh my god did you even know what to pack uh i you know, no, I had no no clue what I packed. Real winter. Yeah, I mean, I think I showed up with what I thought was a winter coat, but then it wasn't enough. Like, oh, was it a sweatshirt with a hoodie? I mean, <laughs> well, what, I think it was my, what my parents thought was a winter coat. <laughs> so, I mean, it was just kind of like a, a Gore-Tex layer or something, like you know, Not even with close. Some, some light insulation in it. But <laughs> it was terrible. I mean, I still have that suitcase that I showed up with from uh in storage actually uh it's funny enough it's one of those like weird suitcases they don't exist anymore because they were it was when they made suitcases really narrow and really thin like yeah. like weight like 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 this like sort of like a loaf of bread or like a briefcase right right yeah right. and it was a roller briefcase 
wow, you got to keep that. Yeah, like it was an odd shaped suitcase. Like I've never, I don't see that anymore today. No, no, no. But no, that's no. what they looked like back then. They were just slightly bigger briefcases with wheels. Exactly. Yeah, it was a Samsonite. I remember that. Yeah. And I was like, my parents were like so proud of it. It's like, this is Samsonite. This will last you forever. Right. It was and the I'm, gorilla beating it commercial. Exactly. Yeah. I still have it in storage somewhere. And I'm just like thinking to myself, like, I should pull that one out. And then airlines <laughs> will probably be super confused, like looking at this bag. Like Somebody would probably snatch it. Probably. It's an antique now. Yeah. Yeah. You should probably keep it. They'd probably pull you aside and be like, sir, you cannot put this on our plane. This is an antique. <laughs> well, it's, it's an odd-shaped thing now that I think it might they might consider it, like, uh, oversized baggage because it's outside the dimensions of, like, yes. the FAA rules now. Right. Oh, well, here's the real question. Okay. How did the relationship with the girlfriend go? Oh, uh, well, safe to say it did not work out. <laughs> She drug you to Buffalo. <laughs> that should have been the ender right there. <laughs> that first winter, winter, you should have been done. That's yeah, it. Not it, didn't, her. it didn't work out. Uh, <laughs> I had my heart broken. I had my heart broken so bad. I was just like, uh, in a, I was a mess. And then I ended up, uh, uh, I don't know what it is. I think it pushed me to, to it kind of pushed me to, to kind of want to express myself a little more. And I think that's how I picked up photography. But the real reason why I picked up photography was not because of the heart, you know, the breakup or the heartbreak or anything. It was probably because um, I was a, a practical and, and just a lazy kid. So I, I had one of these things where any foreign students coming to the States needed to take X amount of English classes. Right. And I didn't have enough English. I didn't take any English essay courses, like, you know, just because I was like, well, I don't need English. English was my first language. I went to a, a, a English-speaking school. But my advisor told me that there is no way that you're going to graduate without these credits. Right. You need the credits, period. Yeah. They don't care. So I was walking through the student union one day, and I picked up a flyer for the college newspaper that says, like, write for us or take photos for us. And, you know, you get, you know, we don't pay, but you get these equivalent credits. And so that would be your equivalent credit for English. Yep. That's so interesting. I signed up. Now, what year is this? Oh, God. I want to say I'm dating myself now. I want to say, like... Because it's an interesting arc, I want to know. Yeah, like, I, want, I, want, I want to say it's 05, 06. But is it your second year, like your sophomore year? No, it's probably my like junior. Junior year? Yeah. So you're trying to get things out of the way at this point. Yeah, I was trying to get things done. I think, I mean, I was an ambitious college kid. Like, I was trying to jam-pack my junior year with so much stuff because I was trying to have an easy senior year. Right. I took 27 credits in my Whoa. junior year per semester. Me and my roommate had this... Per semester? Yeah, me and my roommate had this deal where we wanted to have, like, one day a week class our senior year so we can go snowboarding four days a week <laughs> in the winter. <laughs> Which we ended up doing. And so you kind of the, then took to the snow. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, if you're snowboarding, kid from Malaysia... Yeah, I never snowboarded before that. I learned how to snowboard, like, instantly. So kind of, like, embraced everything, you know? That was, like, I guess that's been the motto of my life. Embrace everything and go along with it. Just just try it. Just try it. it it's worth trying. I don't snowboard anymore. I haven't snowboarded since college. But you did. I did. There once. you go. You know, just immerse yourself completely, do it well, and then you never have to do it again. Did you feel like Buffalo shaped you a little bit? Because it's, you know, Daytona might have been flip-flops and easygoing and occasional weather, but the hardness of winter in Buffalo, and did that kind of shape a little bit of you in those times in college? I think so. I think going to school there and, like, 
I, I mean, it was a smaller school. There was less pressure. Like, I think it's one of the beauties of going to a, a lesser known school uh, for an undergrad because, you know, you're just learning about yourself. You're just, you know, learning how to learn. You know, I, I don't know if I would have ended up the same way if I'd gone to a prestigious school, like, be it like, you know, Texas A&M or like Purdue or something. Right. Like well, there's I would, thousands and thousands of kids. Yeah, it's better to play in a small pond and learn how learn to play. Learn yourself. You learn yourself before, you know, you go out in the world, basically. So I think it shaped me in a way because my time, I think the thing I learned, the one thing I learned best in Buffalo was was how to, to have grit. Yeah. You know, like the ability to just like take everything for what it is, let it roll off your back and just get back to work, you know, and not really like be, uh, what's the word? moved or, or 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 agitated by it it's just like oh oh well this here's a challenge okay let's just solve it and move on like you know i think that's the grit i learned there and it was just so laid back and i think everybody was so neighborly and laid back in buffalo and and i really like that about that that city and you know i went back there a couple of times since and and i remember how much i miss it and i still miss it now in, in that sense like it's a great city yeah it's a you little know. hidden gem yeah yeah, it's it's changed a lot and kind of makes me wish that like, you know, uh, I had bought a piece of property there or something. <laughs> <laughs> now, during that time, did you ever go home or did you stay in the U.S. during your whole college time? I, go, I went back uh, uh, once or twice for summer vacations. Okay. Like, you know, I wasn't a photographer yet, so I was didn't have anything to do for the summers and couldn't really get summer internships yet. Uh, did so, you explain to them what Buffalo was like? Like, you'll never believe it. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I mean, uh, yeah, my parents weren't really, like, too involved in it. I mean, they came to visit me in Buffalo once. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, oh, once. And uh, my mom thought I was growing up. And, uh, I mean, I, I had, like, been busy with life or with college or whatever. And my mom, and I didn't call home enough anymore. <laughs> I remember uh -oh. my mom My mom showed up at my door Whoa. thinking, like, oh, I'm here to visit you. I was like, no, really. Why are you here? It turned out that she thought I was on drugs. <laughs> <laughs> but she didn't realize it was college, just college. It was just college, yeah. So I was just kind of like, oh, my God, here we go. So <laughs> <laughs> That's a long trip just to make sure if your son's on weed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically, or, or anything else for right. that matter. You know, I was like, I've never done, you know. Yeah. <laughs> She's worried. That's good. Yeah. That's a good mom. Yeah, it's not bad. Uh, anyways. The, so you uh, get to the newspaper. Uh, yeah, I got to the college newspaper, and then... Now, what if you decided, I want to write, not take pictures? It would have been a different life today. We wouldn't be sitting here talking. Yeah, well, it would just be a different... Yeah. Like, your path might not have... No. You might be an engineer. You might Probably. be an aerospace... Probably I would still be an aerospace engineer, because I would not have realized that, that this is what I was supposed to do for the rest of my life. Um, I... I only picked up photography because I was pure, really lazy about this. Like, I was like, why would I write anymore if I didn't want to take English essay classes? Do you know what I mean? Uh, so I bought my first camera. Now, did you take any pictures before that? Like, did, were there, was there a family camera? Obviously, it's way before smartphones. My dad, my dad had a family camera or something, like, that he never let us use. Okay. Like, and I, I saw a few photos here and there, but, like, I mean, he had a, a he bought me, like, a little... 
pointing shoot for my my trip to the U. I mean, for moving to the U.S. and I barely used that. I mean, it was I can't remember what camera it was. Like it was just like a little back then those little pointing shoots that right. they expect you to send photos home or something. And I was like <laughs> rolling my eyes. I was like, nah. Yeah. And that 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 camera always sat like that that camera that never spurred my interest in photography. But yeah, they didn't see Ben in his underwear as your roommate sitting there eating watermelon. No, That's no, not- <laughs> no. No, Ben's gonna hate me for for, for saying this, <laughs> but I will say that like uh, um, I bought my first camera at that point. Like I I took my savings, whatever little money I had, and I bought uh, an SLR off of this thing that everybody was telling me to buy off, which was eBay at that time. It's like oh, you gotta you gotta buy off this website called eBay, so you can buy cheap shit. Like it's you the know, place. It's the place to do it. So I went on eBay, and bought an SLR. Uh, it was like a six megapixel. It was one of the old, older cameras at that time. I think I didn't want to. I couldn't have enough money to buy no. like, the latest and greatest. So, I bought one of these antique. Like, um, I'm dating myself here. D60. Okay. Like the Canon one, like yeah. six megapixel, maybe yeah. three focusing points or something. I can't remember what it was. It was like, and a fifty millimeter one point four or something. And that was it. That, that's all. That's all I had. And uh, and that that's all I had to go with, and I just went with that. Uh, and then I started shooting for the college paper. I think I enjoyed that that time of my life because things were simpler. I remember re- instantly realizing what the college paper gave me access to, at, which was everything I I liked at that point in my life, which was concerts. Okay. And free access to all the sporting events, which I don't follow sports per se, but I have a lot of friends who follow sports, and it was like a way to be the cool kid, right? In, in the crowd, or like you know, like I'm going to the game tonight, yeah, exactly. Or, I'm going to game, I'll be on the court, basically, yeah, or, yeah. or whatever, right? And I never really like sports, but oh, like Marcus, man, you're right there, court yeah, side. Yeah, yeah. My friends always cheering me on. They're yeah. all in the seats, like bleachers, like yelling at me. But I never really liked sports, so I never really like did too much of it. But, but the concerts are cool. Concerts are cool. They're also like great way to like for me to like brag about it when I was like in the dating scenes. Like, hey, you know, I yeah, I got I got pit access. Yeah, <laughs> want to see my credentials? <laughs> exactly, <laughs> I got pit, pit access. So I, I I basically did. I figured out the system where I would figure out at that point. I don't know if Google was starting it. I think Google might have been around, and I started like looking on search engines to figure out who's coming to Buffalo. All the acts that was coming, I just like was super resourceful about this. I had an Excel sheet. It's like, like, okay, this date to this day to this day. Like I figured out like when they're coming during the semester and then like, f- like searched who their like publicist was and then would email them. Hey, my name is Marcus. I work for the college newspaper. Like I would like to take pictures for, you know, for our paper. Can you, can I get a pass? And they usually just email me a pass or just give me one. Marcus, you sly devil, you. That's so brilliant. So I just like, this is genius. This is a free ticket to every concert. So I started doing it more and more. Like for an entire year, I did that. Like I went to every show I wanted to go to. Like from U2 to John Bon Jovi. Whoever came into town. You know, whoever came into town. Some 41. Like everybody I wanted to see, basically. All the emo punk rock bands I wanted to go. I just went and just like wrote them an email and they just reply back within the day saying is that a good little college town 
you know, atmosphere for bands? I thought so at that point. We had a lot of abandoned buildings downtown in Buffalo back then. Uh, they had a lot of abandoned buildings back then. I don't know about the scene now, but like, right. you know, they were a lot of there were also a lot of impromptu, like illegal concerts in Those some of the these best places. Though when you're in college. Oh yeah, because there were mosh pits everywhere. Like you know, it was just so illegal. It's not even like they're not even. I don't think they're paying rent. No. For those venues. No, they crashed it. Yeah, it was totally a, a great time. It was only like underground. Like you, you knew about it because you were connected, basically. Uh-huh. Like it was not advertised. So I, I enjoyed myself. I went to all these concerts. Uh. Uh, shot the crap out of it basically so by the time I met you it was right around then too because I had just got I had a, I had nothing but concert photos mostly in my portfolio yeah and everybody just looked at it it's like what is this <laughs> <laughs> Were, did you take to the post-production work then was that interesting to you uh no no mm-hmm. cropping clicking I mean cropping you know, yeah I mean like just get it done I didn't even have Photoshop what'd you guys use I used the software that came with my camera oh god digital photo professional yes holy moly I, I, I did CD not know, I did not know how to use Photoshop <laughs> nor was I aware of it I was just like click tag like whatever the thing was yeah and then you export it and then you're done. That's it. Like, I have no clue. Like, And it got on the paper. I mean, <laughs> I was so unaware of a lot. Of, nobody taught me how to do anything. So I, they always asked that we turn in our photos in a thumb drive. So I would just put in a thumb drive and just gave it to the college paper. And there's a photo editor there all the time. Her name was Brooke. And she was like, oh, thanks, Marcus. And then she would just, like, run whatever photos she fancied. Right. You know? And basically, I could do what I want, which was, I had the autonomy to just, like, go, oh, you know, go to any concert or any game or whatever and just gave them whatever and they'll just run it. Were you strictly at that time just shooting the band or were you starting to maybe see more than the band, fans or anything, or were you pretty still narrow focused? No, I was shooting the other things. I thought the mosh pits were great. I thought the people were great. So I started like, I did a lot of that. Uh, I mean, I was getting into like the scene scene, like, you know, like the golf scene that, you know, I think I remember people were wearing like spikes in their necks and like yes. super baggy pants. Like what do you, what's that brand called uh, at the malls that carry those baggy pants? Oh uh, God, I miss, yeah. And the uh, big shoes and all black and the hair and the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. I even dated a girl that dressed like that. (laughs) 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 So it was kind of into the scene a little bit. What did Marcus look like back then? You know, I have I actually did find a photo of myself. I had uh, my hair was about the same length, like this long, and okay. I, I gelled it up and it would spike upwards. Oh, like, you rebel! Yeah, yes. Yeah, I, I had like I would wear a, give wrist, a little height there. Yeah, I would, I would I'd give me a little height. I would wear white sneakers <laughs> and I would have like a wristband on both both wrists. You yes. Know? Yeah. With your D six or N D sixty. I think it was D60. I ended up upgrading that after a while because it was just frustrating. <laughs> like, after I got serious, I was just like, this camera is frustrating. Like, it just doesn't move. How quickly did you start to get serious? Within a year? Did you start to feel like it was evolving quickly? Uh, no, yes and no. I met, I met a, a nice guy, a professor at the school who happened to be a, a member of this forum called Fred Miranda. 
Yep. Yeah. He introduced me to it, and he was like, kind of ta- always. He he does a lot of bird photography, mm-hmm. so we talked a lot. He was like, I think it was a philosophy professor, and we just talked a lot. And and one day he talked me into buying a, a newer camera, and I was like, hmm, I don't know, like. <laughs> and at that point, it was like a serious camera because I've never spent that much money in my life. It was like a a one D a one D Mark Two. Yeah, it was a 1D Mark II. That's a big jump. Yeah, but it wasn't very expensive. No, but just in yeah. the kind of camera, right, that's right, a right. big he jump. He convinced me. It was like, you don't want these toy cameras. You want this, which is what he used to like photograph birds and all that stuff. Right. And I thought to myself, well, I guess I have some money like put aside for for food and for other miscellaneous things that I might need. I guess I could live without that for a while and made the irresponsible decision of like buying a used 1D Mark II. It was actually very cheap at that point. Like it was, I think that at that point a camera was like four grand brand new or something. (sighs) I paid half of that or less. Wow. So it was a a solid deal. Like, you know, he was like, buy this. And and I followed his advice. In fact, he paid for me because I didn't have like a credit card or I didn't have like PayPal so right. I gave him I wrote him a check he paid for me wow what a guy yeah yeah jeez are you still only got the 50 at this point or have you expanded your your lenses uh, I expanded my lenses I've like shed my lenses I've gone through the whole process that everybody else has like buy sell buy sell like you know in fact like yeah I mean I don't own any more Canon gear as much everything is provided through work now right so so as as this is happening what's happening with your aerospace classes you just finishing those out yeah i'm just finishing them i'm just still doing that at the same time you know finishing my fluid dynamics finishing i took a class in astrophys uh quant, quantum mechanics i did like a i haven't tried to i at that point i, I started dating a math major and wanted to impress her i tr- took an advanced probability class which really like hurt my brain <laughs> so that's, that's where you're picking up on chicks in classes like that holy god because it was terrible i mean let this be a lesson never do that there's never. another lesson for the young men listening exactly <laughs> don't follow love to buffalo and don't yeah. take advanced math classes yeah it hurt my head so much that semester i'm just like i i'm done like, she must is- have been super smart no, she was great. She was uh, she was so smart. She was like, yeah, I. She was. Yeah, a great you don't take those classes because you're smart. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you literally have to be like. I mean, she was uh, that. I mean, she was a she was a good friend, and and she was uh, always doing her, her math theories in her book, and always scribbling. It reminded me of that movie, A Beautiful Mind. Oh God! She was always scribbling in there, and I'm just like, is this what it's like being a math major? It's crazy. Yeah. They just see numbers, work them out. Yeah, I guess so. It's a different language. You know, so, so just like the way we see pictures, it's a different language. Right. You know, we show up and like, we look at like the shapes, we the look light, at the light. The shape, where yeah. is it going to fall, what's exactly. happening. Exactly. It's different, basically. Yeah. So. But we're way cooler. <laughs> it's relative, right? <laughs> That's I, true. I'd like it is. Not... She thinks she's way cooler. Probably. She's like, she... I can balance my checkbook. <laughs> I don't think she needs to worry about checkbooks. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> um, but yeah, so at that, that point, the engineering degree was coming along, and I was finishing up, and went into my senior year, snowboarded like crazy, 
practicing for the X Games or something, but you're just snowboarding. Your heart's content. Oh man, I was going doing those. Uh, what do you call it? The black diamonds. Oh my yeah. god, Marcus! I went from zero to hundred. I think that's like the the narrative of my life a lot. Like I do zero to hundreds. Like you I are kinda, definitely not in the middle lane. You're just going for it. Yeah. So I did that, and uh, 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 yeah. My, it was my best friend and my roommate too so we did a lot we had so much fun that year like we were uh yeah i'll never i'm so glad i did that i mean it was a a, a shitty move on my part to like <laughs> put my education aside to snowboard but you know you loved it it doesn't matter today whether no. or not, <laughs> whether or not I, I i excelled in school or, or not you know was that the last time you snowboarded yeah in new york was the last time you put yeah, piece of wood on your feet and flip yeah, through yourself down. Yeah, never did it again. Basically, like That's hung good. it up. That's great. Sold, sold off the snowboard, <laughs> snowed off the the boots, and like the winter. I gave my winter jacket away, winter pants, nothing else. Like I had nothing. Done. Done. You did it. You were I done. I did it. I moved out of New York, and it's kind of like moved on to other things in life, other priorities, basically. So when does John Davis find you? It's about that time my senior year. I was having when I was having too much fun. He was. Uh, he kind of tracked me down, and and uh, we kind of have had this long conversation. Uh, he was uh, he had access to the college paper, okay. so he had been like flipping around and was seeing like photos from like sporting events and concerts, mostly concerts, and probably just like who's this kid? Right, like, you know, so is this different? Like, you know, I mean, now, how, how different were you in, compared to the staff? Was your stuff noticeably different? Just the way you saw? I think it was no, noticeably different, partly because I was more astute in the way I shot. I mean, if you shot with a 51-4 all the time, it's going to look very uniform, mm-hmm. right? As opposed to shooting with a kit lens and just, you know, a rebel camera. Right. So I was always shooting in low light. I was always, like, you know, pushing the edge, finding the light in low light, especially in concerts, you know, mm-hmm. and finding great moments, yeah. trying to find moments. At some point in my concert, little short-lived concert career, I learned off-camera flash. Ooh. Ooh. Wow. Ooh. I picked up a little, like, cord off eBay that just did this thing, like, you know, so I went to mosh pits a lot, you know. Oh, man. <laughs> you missed your black flag calling. You could have done early 70s punk rock and made totally. a killing. Totally. I, I did. I mean, I, 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 I'm pretty sure... I have a hard drive running in the in the shed right now that's being backed up and 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 in there is like the the skunkwork days like oh. from Buffalo being backed up. Like I just saw it. I just like looked at it. I was like, and I opened one folder. Immediately I saw a photo of myself, like a self portrait in that folder. And I was like, oh, that's me. I so need that crazy. for promotion. I need that for promotion. <laughs> that's great. Maybe I'll do it before and after. Like, yes. oh man, you can't. Put a dollar amount on how priceless those kind of moments are. Those are like gold. Yeah, true, true. So I did a lot of that, and then uh, John John found me in a weird time of my life where where I thought I was going to do one thing. Like he called me up one day and he introduced himself and he he basically tried to convince me to you know tried to talk me into doing photography as a career. And I'm at that point. I have no clue. I didn't even think it was a career. I thought it was like a thing that people did for fun. Right. Like it wasn't a real thing. Like it, when I think of photography, I thought of like 
commercial photographers, like the Annie Leibovitz or right. like fashion photographers. In a studio all day. And yeah, work, it's yeah. kind of boring, like, you know, being stuffy, watching people put on makeup and just like telling people what to do, you know? Yeah. And I was like, I'm not doing that. Like, you know, I got better things to do in my life at that point. Um, and, and John really just asked me what I wanted to do and told him, like, listen, dude, I... I'm going to be an engineer and I was going to buy my house and buy my boat and go fishing on the weekends with my buddies and watch Sunday football. Like that's my dream, like my American dream, you know? And he kind of like chuckled. He's like, nah, yeah, it's all, it's all, it's all dandy, but you know, you should try this. <laughs> so he kind of, it was a 45 minute conversation. I do remember that part. It was such a long conversation and I felt very connected to this man. And this is the first time you've met him first time i've talked to him like wow. yeah and, and it was kind of cool like i've never felt connected to anybody like that and i i kind of instantly like hit it off with him and he said well you know do an internship you know it's paid and you'll make some money if you don't like it go back to the rest of your life and forget this ever happened he saw something so i mean i'm not sure what he saw because i looked at my portfolio back then and i would have been like i would have nixed this guy if i were in gym. yeah i mean but you say that now with all those like you know like you're an onion and like it's been peeled back or or in reverse the onion layers have been put on but when you're looking at young photographers and i'm sure you do that now mm-hmm. there's a there's one or two photos you see and you go yes yeah. seeing it differently their whole body of work might be trash but there's one or two photos right that are the ones you're looking for those little nuggets true and it, it really and really it could depends. have been just as simple as that you did go out and get the on-camera flash mm-hmm. instead of not being lazy like right. everybody else and going i just can't do it i don't yeah. know how it works sorry yeah. i don't think it was the photography i think what <laughs> I, I i i'm inclined to think that he saw he saw that I took the effort. That's it. That's it. Not so much the photos. And um, so, yeah, so I, I did that. I kind of thought, sure, why not? Like, it, sounds, it sounded like a dare at that point. So I took him out. <laughs> so I'm like one of these kids, like, if you dare me to do something, I was like, you got it. Okay, turkey, <laughs> let's go. So I did it. Um, gradu- you know, did it. Uh, you graduated. Sh- Graduated. I put. So I mean, I walked in- the ceremony. Okay. Uh, and 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 I was the only engineering student to have walked the stage with a camera in hand. <laughs> and, Again, there you and go. And I did a selfie with the dean and like walked off. And, and this is before selfies were a thing. Right. You were doing it with a DSLR. Yeah, with a one D in my hand with a flash on top. Fifty or <laughs> twenty-four or something wide to get the two of it you. It might have been a twenty-four or something. Yeah. I. I, I might have been. Tw- you know what? It might have been a fisheye. Because at that point, I found somebody sold me a really cheap 15 millimeter fisheye. I kid you not. And I was like intrigued by this lens for concerts. Yeah. So, yeah, all my photos from that era was were all fisheye lens. <laughs> you went through your fisheye period. <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> I don't even think they make those lenses anymore. But you were trying. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, they don't make those anymore. But it, but but then that's your look people mm-hmm. are like oh Marcus shot that concert right. oh there it is that's awesome right. yeah so it doesn't happen anymore so uh, uh, graduated did this internship I remember my first week there the staff photographers there were like who, who is this kid because I showed up with a thumb drive for every assignment and no captions you didn't know AP style or anything you hadn't been taught to you so you were just they were like this 
is photo mechanic. <laughs> and I was like, what is photo mechanic? They had given me a Dell laptop to use to like use photo mechanic. And I was just like, what is this? Like, <laughs> and, and I have to get names now. Oh, what a chore. That's right. Cause you're just not, you haven't been taught. I, yeah. I never got names. I just like shot my pictures and moved on. Like, right. you know, it's like, it's a band. Yeah. It's a band. <laughs> like who cares? Like, you know, and like, so now I have to like who, what, when, how, and why. I was like, Oh God. This was painful. This is work. <laughs> I'm a photographer. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, I learned photo mechanic quickly enough where I uh, I remember early on, I I decided I started. Uh, this was actually not during the. In- uh, this was like middle of the internship, maybe or after the internship. But like, I remember learning code replacements in photo mechanic then. Okay. So I would never have to type out AP style captions. I would just have to fi- type in who, and it, it'll fill out the city or whatever. Mm-hmm. Everything filled out fills out for you AP Done. style, AP format at least. Yep. So I like had I still have that that preset file from till today. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. You know my in fact my my current photo mechanic preference folder is a, a derivation of that original file. Really? Yeah, from that very, very early phone mechanic file that just kept importing, exporting, importing, exporting, like, you know. Wow. In fact, like, if I go to my color labels, you know, you, I, mm-hmm. I change the orders of the color labels to the way I like it. Red is number one, blue is number two, green is number three, okay. like, yellow is number four, whatever, right? Right. And in there, instead of saying, like, the color, name of the color, I would, like, label what I mean by it. Like, red being, like, you know, good job, blue being, like, decent photo, you know, green being, like, mediocre photo, like, yellow being, like, I can't remember. Missed it. Missed it. Whatever. Or, and then five, number five, the the teal color would be consider career change. <laughs> like, I still have that. Like, if you look at my IPTC fold, like files from my photos, if you look at the color label tag, it's still attached from that original file. So. It worked. It worked. It was a way to keep me motivated, basically, when I clicked on it. So You want reds, no teals. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, I did that internship. Going back to the internship, I did that internship. Uh, they teach you photo mechanic. They teach you Photoshop. They teach you to uh, AP They taught style. me FTP. That's what they taught me. They were like, you don't have to come in the office to, to give us the thumb drives. <laughs> <laughs> you can just FTP it in, you know, which was like, a, I was like, well, what is this thing? Like, it's command U on photo mechanic. You yeah, just FTP. Yeah, it's just command U. I was like, oh, oh, well, I never have to come in the office then. <laughs> this, yeah. is, this is getting better. <laughs> this is getting better. But I, I ended up always being in the office to like just sit and talk to the photographers because it was a nice communal like experience, like talking to photographers. And at that point, I, I know nothing about this career. And I met like photographers like uh, Derek G, uh, who's its chief photographer now over there. Um, I followed photographers like Harry Skull. I followed uh, uh, Char- uh, uh, Robert Kirkham and uh, God, I'm, I'm blanking out on some of their names. Sharon Cantillon and all okay. these photographers. They're really like down to earth, like humble humble people that really like took me under their wings and just like oh listen here sonny like let me show you the ropes like you know did, did you absorb it because you knew nothing so did you take to it and listen to them yeah i mean i mostly like listened to like wanted to i did a lot of ride-alongs with them okay. like i would shadow them a lot 
like I remember shadowing the photo- the Harry Skull, one of the photographers who like would have this thing about like showing up to a scene and deciding this is a two picture assignment. I already know where my pictures are, which is over here and over there when he walks out. And that was it. And, and he, he was got done. his two lenses and two cameras ready and he was done. Like he already knew. And I was just thinking to myself, wow, that's incredibly efficient. I need to start <laughs> thinking like that instead of spending hours in an assignment. You know what I mean? Chasing. Yeah. And he shows up to festival. I mean, they did a, it was a local newspaper, so they, they covered a lot of festivals. And he'd be mm-hmm. like, it's a four picture deal. Here's what you do an overall, find a high vantage point for an overall, find a great detail of something colorful. <laughs> okay. Right? A nice moment of somebody laughing or smiling, enjoying themselves, and uh, and an artsy photo for yourself. That's it. Nothing else. And he would do often do that, and I would just watch him work, and I'm thinking to myself, I see how this is. Like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Like, oh, this works. Like, instead of just like, what am I taking pictures of? I have no clue. Like, I'm, I, I'm just gonna walk around and snap photos. Like, so I start off with with a solid, like with a great education from these photographers who, who basically said like time is time is money like let's not waste it on assignments like you know right to them because they had multiple assignments in a day yeah we were doing uh, I remember the Buffalo News at one point my peak was six assignments a day <laughs> every day was like minimum three or four oh, yeah it was like running around it was like I can't remember it was like 15-20 minutes assignment I kid you not like boom 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 yeah. left and right across town did like, you have a company car or your own car I drove my own car back. Okay. I mean, they didn't have a company car either, okay. so like everybody drove their own cars, and like we gave, we were paid whatever mileage. mileage. Right. Yeah. So, um, and thankfully, because I had a, a one DX, I had better gear than than some of the older shooters because they were all shooting Nikon D D2s, twos. D twos. I have no idea what they're yeah. called now, but like they're the older Nikon's that didn't do really well. Right. Um, and I remember my images looking way cleaner than, than what was coming out from them. Oof. And it was like head over shoulders already instantly in terms of post-processing. And I think it was right around then because they gave me a company laptop that I learned how to use Photoshop. Okay. Because before that, I had no idea. So they were like, okay, this is Photoshop. This is Photo Mechanic. You use these two together. So I had to like learn it. How long did it take you to figure that out? Uh, a couple of days okay. just like just learn it and then I mean it was no different from DPP really right. yeah just the curves part mm-hmm. and just figuring that out and then pump it out basically boom boom FTP FTP gone yeah basically and it was not very very hard I mean I remember I mean the re- revelation there really is just the going to people's homes my first three weeks and just like talking to people and like being curious and all that stuff and by the third or fourth week of that internship, I had this like weird flash forward moment. The same one I had when I was like, right, like before I decided to drop out of high school. And it was like a weird, like planets are aligning, like you, the hair in your, the back of your neck is standing up and your, your, your intuition is telling you something. And I thought to myself, this is it. This is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing for the rest of my life. What was the moment? What was the absolute moment you fell in love? Or the, or the switch flipped? Or what was it? You were shooting somebody? I think it was like... A portrait or just being on an assignment? I think I was on a fire. Okay. I was chasing something. And at adrenaline. that point... Adrenaline. Adrenaline, maybe. I was... It was a mosh point, pit. I, I met a photographer. His name is Andrew Dolph from Rochester. 
who gave who who taught me how to use a Radio Shack scanner. And I bought one quickly, and oh, at least I picked one up from work. I turned it on, and I think that first day, I heard something, and I went chasing something, an ambulance or something somewhere. And it was quite a scene because they they had responded to some kind of uh, shooting or a drowning, and I was just like, I was there, I was there, as quick as the ambulance. And I remember thinking to myself like, oh wow, this is. This is it. This is like a lot of fun. And I remember going back that night, thinking about it, reflecting on it. I'm like, yeah, I think this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Like, you know, this is a lot of fun. And then I chased fires. Like there was a, a serial arsonist going through Buffalo that summer. Oh. So there were a lot of house fires that summer. So I just That's like crazy. went and like shot every nighttime house fire. It was kind of dumb, but like it was great training. Like, yeah. You know, sometimes out. I would call the fire in myself because I get there the, because I get there before the fire fire you know engines did. Oh my <laughs> goodness! And they'd show up and they recognize me. Did you start this? Like, no. No, 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 no. <laughs> it wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> I have pictures. <laughs> I just happened to drive by it. I just called you guys. <laughs> so, I mean, so the switch is flipped. You're 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 thinking this is it. This is it. I have to figure it out. Do you make that call to mom and dad? Do you tell anybody like? You know that whole aerospace thing? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that conversation was probably, like, unavoidable, but I did have it. And I do remember my parents being, like, frankly, super, super pissed by it. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. I mean, I... I would be. If I just sent you across the world, and you're going to do this, and yeah. now you're doing that. Well, not to, to top it off, like... That wasn't even their first choice, like me being an aerospace engineer. They wanted me to be a doctor or oh, a lawyer. Sure, sure, of course. So I rebelled and said aerospace engineering. So right. that was quite a, a stick stick to them, too. Right. So another stick to them is now saying, I don't want to be an aerospace engineer anymore. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> I want to take pictures. Yeah. And uh, I, they were mad. Uh, it didn't work out very well. I, I think they stopped talking to me for a while and it was like kind of a weird phase in my life and I was like oh well I'm just gonna keep doing this like you know because I must be doing something right if somebody's pissed at me is that how you took it? yeah like, I thought so I mean I was kind of like I mean it was also the grit in me that I had gained from going to school so I was just like well I'm not gonna let anything stop me why why, why stop if just because your parents are pissed at you right you gotta go I mean you, you lose nothing the worst you can the worst you can do is realize this is not for you, right? Right. That's, that's it. I figured out that was the worst I could do. Figure out I could not. I could not make it in this business. So, that being said, I started to figure. I started to ask questions of the staff photographers there. Like, how 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 do you get a job? Like, how do you do? Like, how yeah, do you start? You're an intern. I have no idea. I you know. So I was just like, how do you even get a job at the Buffalo News? Like, how, how does it even work for you guys? I mean, those guys had gone to art school and all that stuff. They, like, intern at newspaper. So they kind of, like, explained the process to me. Like, all right, kid. Like, you got to start networking. You got to, like, start talking to people. You got to start doing more internships. Like, and then throughout the way, you'll figure it out, like, along the way. So that's how it all started. And then at, at that point, I, like, talked to Robert Kirkham, who's like, hey, you got to do this workshop. It's kind of, like, I did it. When I was young, it launched my career. Like I was like, what was it? It was the Eddie Adams like workshop. And I was like, what? He said, yeah, it's super selective. Only a hundred kids get to go every year or something. And I was like, it's like, all right. So he wrote me a letter of recommendation and entered all my uh, concert photos. 
Your concert photos, not your fire photos. <laughs> no, concert. Concert, okay. I mean, I had some fire photos, but mostly concerts, okay. you know? It was stronger. And uh, and I remember, I didn't even get in at Daddy Adams. It was so sad. <laughs> but I did get, like, consolation. I was a student 106, meaning... I was on the bench for the five guys who were on the bench. Mm-hmm. So if they called one, two, three, four, five, and still didn't get anybody to swap, uh, substitute in, I would get the phone call. And just my luck that year, all five guys didn't get to substitute in, and they called the guy in Buffalo three hours away, like, you know, to show up for this workshop. Hey, would you like to come on down? Yeah, I was like, oh my God, sure. And I just drove down. And I remember they just, like, announced it at the workshop. They were like, meet student 106, the luckiest guy in this workshop. I didn't know whether or not to feel embarrassed or, like, you know, shocked or, you know, right. happy. I was like, oh, well, I'm here. What? I don't, I don't care. Uh, it was a good time. I mean, it was, a, it was one of those workshops where I wasn't sure what I was doing yet, so I never really got much out of it. But I did meet a lot of friends there. Um, the networking part. The networking part. A lot of people that, like... Uh, I don't know Half of them are not in the business anymore anyways But like some people have stayed with me And remember me Like you know mm-hmm. I met one of my, I met a, a gentleman named David Guttenfelder there Okay Who saw my portfolio And pointed out one picture basically That said This is the picture That I want you to Continue to make for the rest of your career Like What was it? It was a picture of all these Cars spinning around the dirt From a demolition derby like it had this like dreamy feel to it. Okay. And he was like, this is the picture that makes me feel something. You know, everything else is just process. Right. And I was like thinking to myself, what does he mean by that? He's like, just feeling it, you know, like you get something. And and I remember that picture and I was like, okay, all right. And uh, because I met him, he was super kind and that led to other things and, you know, led to a, a follow-up internship with the Associated Press in Malaysia later in the next summer. You so know. you go home and you work at AP there? Yeah, I had applied for an internship there and, and David Gunfelder had put in a good word for me because he met me and he was like, yeah, this guy's good, you know, give it a go. Like he greenlit, I mean, he helped, helped that internship uh, get approved, I yeah. guess, yeah, and I did that so i'll forever be thankful f- to him for it uh it was just you know it's no harm for them to take on an intern anyway right. so, so how was back. it how was it working i guess this is weird abroad but mm-hmm. back home uh it was strange right because you're yeah you're yeah. a kid from there but right. now you've grown up very much so somewhere else and then you went back yeah it's yeah. so strange because uh i really instantly realized i didn't want to work there I'll go back there and live there. Like, it was one of the things I learned. Like, I could never come back here, like, to live and work here uh, as a normal person, not as a photographer. But, like, they paired me up with a German reporter because... <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, together, we did a lot of assignments uh, and we went everywhere. I mean, working for the AP at that point was... And there was not much going on in terms of news other than, like, provincial news. So, there wasn't... It wasn't a lot to learn, but I, I did have a lot of time to roam and explore. Okay. So I did what I knew how to do best, which was just walk every day, take walks every day on slow days and try to find like photos, art photos for myself and just shoot. Shoot for light, shoot for color, shoot for whatever I knew, even if there's nothing to shoot. Right. So. Because you're still young. Yeah, I don't know what to do. You don't have that many clicks in you yet. I didn't know what to do, so I just did that. And it was a it was a great time. I mean, I I, le- I learned so many things in that internship. 
mostly with things I don't want to do, which is end up like, you know, uh, which is end up just doing new press conferences every day, like, right. you know, stuff like that. Uh, I remember finding, meeting a guy in a bus stop who was a refugee from uh, Burma at that point. And he was like, looked at my camera and it's like, hey, are you a journalist? And I was like, yeah. It's like, I want to take you somewhere. I was like, at that point, I was like, you're going to rob me, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I need this cannon one day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mark two, don't take it. Yeah. But he was like, no, no, no. I'm a, I'm a, a, a community leader for the Burmese uh, 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 refugees in Malaysia. I was like, really? Then he like took me into the woods outside a suburb. And then in the woods, it was a hidden camp of refugees. Wow, what? This is crazy. Yeah, and I was like, oh, in plain sight, hidden in plain sight. It, I kid you not. It was right there, but nobody knew. So I just like spent my time there. I decided, like, this is halfway through the internship. I uh, I was going to spend my time there. Uh, so I would eight, work eight hours a day at AP, doing all the press conferences, all the things they want me to be do. Right. And I would spend eight hours at that camp. And I'd go home. And repeat, rinse, repeat, like, for like... Two, three weeks straight, nonstop. Did you say anything to your German counterpart, or is it just, I did. I okay. did. I, uh, she had come with me for one of those trips and 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 sussed it out. And I think she tried to do a story too, but uh, a it may or may not have worked out. But I remember meeting a, a, another photographer, another wire photographer from AFP, who uh, who who discovered I was doing the story and wanted to come with me, and and you know he just wanted to tag along and. So together we went up to the mountains to find another camp and we, we did all that and it was kind of like my first foray. Little did I know this, that was my first foray into like the job I'd be doing now. Right. Which is like suss out leads basically and just go on adventures and like, you know, find the stories that matter. So yeah, that's, that's the difficult part finding a lead and, and weeding it through it and finding the story yeah yeah it was it was quite an adventure those four weeks I would say I like I remember one of those days one of their community members came up to me like hey, hey, hey somebody just dropped off a body I was like what do you mean like yeah they dropped off a body I was like and uh, <laughs> wow and I was like uh, what so they had I guess there was like a little bit of that human trafficking part of this story uh that was that made it more interesting it was uh people pay people get deported and pay to get them trafficked back into the country wow and 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 what they didn't know was uh the people they paid for the the family member they paid for uh had died along the way because of uh tuberculosis and the trafficker didn't tell them and just dropped off a dead body jesus so the family had like took this body into their home and I remember stepping into this room in this apartment it was mirrors everywhere including the ceiling I kid you not mirrors everywhere I, I'll have to show you this photo one day yeah uh, <laughs> sounds like a bad Vegas hotel <laughs> it was I mean except for the dead body and I was like yeah. oh my god and I had no idea what tuberculosis is I was, had no idea how contagious it was like oh, I was Jesus. a kid like I was just like oh I'll take pictures like you know and there was like families grieving crying like you know, and I was like, that was like the, the peak of that story I remember experiencing. And I was like, oh my God. What, I are, you, that. what are you at this age? 19, 20? Oh no, more than that. It was like, oh, I think it oh, was. Oh yeah, you'd be yeah, older. Yeah, so you're yeah, like 23, okay. 22, 23 maybe. Yeah. Like not much. I mean, I didn't know yeah. what I was doing. So, so, and then, and then also like, 
But that's crazy at that point. No. You're shooting this thing. You're, you know, this very contagious disease. These community leaders are showing you these unbelievable, crazy camps. And you're shooting death. Like your first time, like this is real. This isn't Buffalo. This isn't like fires or concerts. Right. Like now something real is happening. Yeah, that might have been the first time I've seen a, a corpse, like a lifeless corpse. Right. So it's like thinking to myself, oh, shit, this is real. Like, yeah. Um, this so isn't I, the concert anymore. No, no. So I did that. And then uh, 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 I think the AP published some of those photos. Um, and I even ended up in a detention center by accident too. Walking, did, I did my usual morning routine, which is walk around town, and happened to walk across a, a, a detention center hidden in plain sight. And one of the security guards thought he was doing like his boss a, a real good favor. He's like, he saw a media person, he's like, "Hey, you media, we just did one of these early morning raids, and we rounded up a bunch of like Burmese refugees, like you know, in our little raids." And he's like, "You want to come like?" do a report on it I'd be like I'll come take pictures sure <laughs> up for it so I ended up in like the third floor of this building in the detention center and just like all these refugees were sitting on the ground like rounded up in the early morning raid and he had no clue why a photographer was there and I'm just like asking them so where are you from blah 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 name and all that stuff and I'm like taking photos of them and I'm just like holy shit like and then Marcus did, I mean what are you thinking though at that point like you just that, to be given that kind of access I mean, that was just luck, pure right, just luck. just pure stupid luck. Yeah, so I took those photos, and then I think the commander for the detention center realized, wait a second, why is there a photographer here? And then he, like, pulled me into his office, and we had a chat. He basically said, like, uh, you know, I hope you, you tell the, the right story here, because I know you have family in Malaysia. You know, yeah. But he couldn't say much because I'd work. You know, he saw that I was working for the AP, not for the local newspaper. Right, right. I mean, I saw that as a threat, and I was kind of thought to myself, "Hmm, he's threatening my family. What should I do?" I walked back to the office, published. Because <laughs> it, 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 it was, a, I mean, it was a story. Yeah. They had rounded it up. I mean, there was no reason for them to round them up. Like, yeah. you know, so I just put it out there. Uh, so that was like one of those two the two peak moments in that story and then and then I wrapped up my internship with a bang shooting like a, a, a shooting a shooting a sports assignment or something uh, helping out the the AP team and then I remember tripping on my shoelace and falling down and with it like the 4028 and the camera they had attached to it like a sledgehammer going down the ground and that I thought that was oh. The end of my career. <laughs> oh, God. And the chief photographer at that time had a sequence of photos of me falling down with the. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> of course he does. Yeah, that was pretty funny, and uh, and and I and really thought it was the end of my career. And then I wrapped up my internship, and that was it. And quietly came back and and just learned to start from scratch. At that point, I I didn't know what I was gonna do. Yeah, are you are you intern searching at this point? No, I, so think, I, didn't, like, I didn't line anything up at that point. I just I'm done. So I did that workshops right after that, I think. Mm -hmm. And uh, no, I no, I did the workshop before that. I might have did the workshop before that, but I was just figuring it out. I mean, I took a year off. Uh, I did take a year off or so to not do much. 
because um, I had an injury. Like okay. I had a, I had a car accident, a really bad car accident, um, right after that sports shooter workshop. Okay. That really like uh, left me with a minor skull fracture. Okay. So I really didn't do much uh, other than like. I worked for... Uh, so it was to, rehab and recovery time. It wasn't that you were trying to find yourself for another time. No, I mean, I I ended up working as an assistant. I mean, based on reading Sports Shooter back then, I worked as an assistant to Bill Whippert, the team photographer for the Sabres. Yeah. So, and he basically, like, taught me how to be an assistant. Like, you know, this is what you do. Like, you set up lights, you set up remotes, you, like, you do all the shit, like, you know, all the stuff you have to do. Like, I had to get it all ready before you showed up. Mm-hmm. And, like, so I did that, like, every weekend. Like for every game, and it was a great training. That's like good for for doing nothing, for not shooting, for not doing much. Basically, like I figured, if I'm gonna stay in this, I gotta at least be connected to some people and do stuff on the right. side if not shooting. You know, so I did that for about about almost a year, and you know, it 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 kept me afloat, and uh, and it kept me interested enough in photography to kind of hold on to this idea that like maybe just maybe I can like figure out my break into this industry I, I wasn't convinced I was breaking in yet just because I was just like so obscure right um, so that being said but then why did you decide to go back to Buffalo when you're when you leave Malaysia you had the, anywhere to go in the country and you just figured back to upstate I don't know that's where my stuff was and I was like okay hey, I just went back there uh, and then after that what happened uh I guess I embarked on a series of internships after learning from and networking from people who basically convinced me that this is what you should do. This is the route that like people take. Your path, yes. Uh, the path, whatever they call it back yeah. then, right? The photo path. Photo internship, path. internship, yeah, internship, yeah. job. Yeah, the, the grind they call <laughs> yeah. it. So, And I was like, okay. So I like looked up this directory and I called a bunch of places and I applied for a ton of internships. Nobody would call me back. Like literally nobody, and when I finally got an internship, I don't think no. You know what? I never got an internship like that. That that after that AP one, just because it was just so frustrating. It was just nobody called me back. I sent out like hundreds of, I mean, two hundred applications. We've all been there. Yeah. So I'm just thinking <laughs> to myself like, I'm a loser. This sucks. Ah <laughs> oh, no. Um, uh, and then what did I do? Uh, oh, somebody convinced me. It's like, oh well. You know, I met some photographers who said like, oh, you know, I'm, and I, I, and they were all going to school at Ohio University. And I thought to myself, maybe I should go talk to them and, and see what that school's about. Are you freelancing at all at this point? Uh, barely. Just like. Wherever you can. I was, shooting, we- I was shooting weddings, to be okay. honest. Yeah. Like, and, and, and making ends meet doing that. I'm not proud to say it, but like. It's all right. I shot the most weddings I've shot in my life. And I remember thinking to myself. Nobody is this happy. <laughs> I was so jaded. <laughs> um, so so at, Ohio U starts. I went and visited Ohio U. I applied for their grad program. The visual communications? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and I got in uh, and was the youngest student, ever, one of the youngest students ever admitted there, uh, according to their faculty, at least. Like, they just told me that. And I was like, oh, cool. Me and my roommate were. So we're both super young, like, because they usually require you to have worked a couple years right. in the business and come back and get retrained. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that trend is now reversed. I think most people just skip the whole work thing, go from undergrad to grad immediately. Right. You know, 
Uh, so we started that trend, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Who was your roommate? Uh, a photographer named Peter Hoffman. Okay. Like he's a, a wonderful, I, the best roommate I could have had because he was like a different kind of photographer and he opened my eyes up to different possibilities. Oh, that's good when you have, you know, the yin yeah. and yang of a roommate. Yeah, he was a, a conceptual fine art type photographer. And I was more like a photojournalism type photographer. Okay. So I did that that thing for a year. I remember like going zero to hundred again, doing my usual thing, like spending like twenty hours a day shooting, coming back, like sleep, go back out shoot. Like it was like, <laughs> and then on Friday when our classes were, we showed photos, and I remember my classmates being like really pissed at me. It's like, hey man, will you stop taking so many pictures? <laughs> <laughs> Because, uh, you know, I, I was classrooms with a lot of people in their mid-career, so they all had kids, families. They just didn't have the kind of time I had. Right. And and it's fine. It's you no just problem. had Marcus. They had actual people. Right. I just yeah. did my own thing. And uh, so I did that program for one year, and I kind of left the program after that because I ran out of money. Uh, I had used money from that car accident settlement to fund my grad program <laughs> stupidly. Oh, <man. laughs> I mean, I was like, well, this is like a lesson in uh, fiscal management. Don't ever do that. There's going to be a lot of lessons learned in this podcast. I mean, yeah, I should have put that in a Roth IRA. Yes, yes. In hindsight. <laughs> Nobody told me anything about Roth IRAs back then. Oh, uh, God damn it. They don't teach finances in school. Uh, you know, they. I wish they taught that in high school even. Yes. You know, they don't. I mean, not where I grew up, at least. Or at oh. least I didn't wasn't around to pay attention. So it kills me. <laughs> um, anyways, did that. Dropped out of school, went on a string of internships just to try to make money and stay afloat to figure out if I was going to come back to school even. Okay. So I went and did internships in Atlanta, Georgia, Roanoke, Virginia, uh, Concord, New Hampshire, and uh, the Washington Post. Wow. So like all in one go, like one streak. That is quite an array of internships. Yeah, so it was like a nonstop, like me, my black Jeep Cherokee classic, like showing up to all these states and everybody's confused every time I show up. With your New York license plate? With New York license no, At that point I had Ohio, I might have had Ohio license plates. Okay. Yeah. But everybody's just like, what is going on? <laughs> Who is this guy? Yeah, it was pretty funny. I would say that like, uh, uh, yeah, it was a great time. Was there major growth in those internships? Were you getting yourself developed, your eye? To be honest, I don't think so. Looking back on those years, I think what I did get was rigor and like a work ethic. I think my eye didn't grow that much in that in, in doing so many internships. I I don't think so. At least, like you know, I don't feel. I didn't feel like my photography changed very much. Okay, you didn't feel the expansion at that point. No, but I did feel like I was getting more experience working in newsrooms. Okay. And then you know, by the time I got to like Concord, New Hampshire, it was a much smaller paper. It was like two or three photographers, three photographers. You know, one of them being a photo editor slash photographer, and we're in charge of like we're not just photographers. We shoot the things, come back, file, do the pre-press for the photos. You know, you know, work with the designers, you know, like it was a lot of responsibility to yeah. make sure that photos end up on the paper. You know, it wasn't just a photo editor's Jeez. job. So I felt comfortable enough to do that. And I felt like that year was pivotal for getting 
just solid newspaper work experience and just getting that out of the way like you know and just creating a work ethic of just shooting and working non-stop were you starting to feel like a photojournalist at that point a little bit a little bit I it's was weird like, to say but you've got to have to kind of become one right right yeah so i would say that like it, it was a rigor i mean that 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 whole phase was a blur to me i just remember that part what i learned and i remember not really growing that much but remembering i, I didn't really like any of the images i made in that period of my life i i, ne- I don't think very few of them actually made my portfolio like even like the next year it's like just because it was just a, such a, a a grind, do you know what I mean? You were just not taking anything you enjoyed. Maybe, or I just wasn't. I just I was so out of my element that like, I. It's not that I didn't enjoy it. I I did enjoy it, but like I was so out of my element, I didn't understand how I worked yet okay. as a photographer. Okay. That's, I was yeah, just snapping yes. photos. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yes. It's like F8 and B there kind right. of photos. And it wasn't the photos that were me. I wasn't cre- like making images. I was just snapping images. Now, at the time in Ohio, did that help you grow into... Because you're, you're so far behind on the bar. Like you didn't start off as a photojournalist your freshman year and take these classes mm. and your sophomore. So was Ohio then like your real induction into... An education of photojournalism, even though you've done two internships? Yeah, I thought so. I mean, the professors there were, were really encouraging about just working it. Like, I think their one spiel to me was like, look, your strength is that you you are that person that would like run into a wall repeatedly until you break that wall. Right. So just keep doing that. Because <laughs> like your, your career, if it was a roller coaster, it's ups and downs, but the downs aren't bad. It's just the, the next job. Right. Right. So you're, you're, you're up as, a, as concerts in college and then right. maybe Malaysia was kind of down, down and, then, yeah. and then back up to Ohio, but then kind of down until maybe you got to Concord and then up again. And Right. Yeah, I mean, it was okay. I mean, I learned a lot, and I think it was just a matter of, like, learning how I worked a little bit. I think it was just a lull moment in my life. I remember that year thinking, talking to a, 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 prof- a friend pro- who was a professor at RIT and telling her, uh, oh, you know, I don't know what it is. I think I've hit a plateau, like... And it was strange to, and she said it was strange to hear that coming from a young photographer. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you know, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that I, I was, uh, I didn't understand myself yet. I didn't understand the process of photography as much as as much as I thought I did. I totally understand you know? that. So I was just snapping photos that that year, the year or two, and just like moved on. And you were just I, feeding the beast, filling the hole. Oh yeah, I mean, I was totally disappointed in myself after that because I didn't think I impressed a lot of people that year. In fact, I I, I was pretty sure I had a, a, a all these internships. I had like a photo editor to sit down with me at every one of them, going like, "So what were you doing before this? Oh, maybe you should reconsider going back to that." <laughs> <laughs> I remember an editor at the row. I think. It was was at the road of times that like kind of hinted at it and I was like oh well maybe I should go back to be an engineer <laughs> was that maybe because you weren't hard enough on yourself or you just I think it was because like she didn't see a, a promise in me or, or okay. potential I don't know what it was I think it was just maybe because my photos didn't speak you know didn't jive didn't sing didn't you know right. I don't know it could be anything but like I, I know for sure it's not because of the lack of hard work right 
I think if anything, it was just like my photos weren't jiving. And I think I had a few people speak to me that year. I mean, I, I went to the Washington Post. I worked under Michael Ducille, uh, the late Michael Ducille. And, and even he told me he was not impressed with my photography. Like upfront, blunt. Like mm-hmm. he's like, yeah, you're okay. You're you're pretty mediocre. Like I remember him telling me that one morning. I kind of go went, oh fuck. <laughs> but it's better for him to do that and slap you in the face and blow smoke up your ass and to be like, no, you're great, kid. You're doing great because you need that. You need that bluntness sometimes. Yeah. You need that guy to be like, no, man, come on, you could be better. You're you're average right now. Yeah. No. I mean, I think he was. I think he was kind of worried for me. So he paired me up with a photographer named Ricky Cariotti, who's like a solid solid like news photographer sports photographer type person and ricky just like worked with me just to get me like brush me up to like wash post standards you know sure sure and and you know i finally caught up maybe in the, my last week there you know so yeah i remember that i, I didn't catch up to the maybe the last week there where i felt comfortable and they finally like said oh yeah yeah now you're doing decent so i remember oh man this is so hard and and that that experience repeated itself even at the next internship uh it was my last internship actually at the new york times where i didn't feel like i impressed anybody at all like going in and coming out basically Hmm. just because i was not aware of my process yet and just like you know or at least slowly figuring it out and i think that happens to everybody yes it does and i was watching all my friends like kind of hit these like like what do you call these uh home runs at every internship like boom 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 you know creating these amazing portfolios at every stop and i'm just like kind of dragging my feet at every stop thinking to myself like i don't think i'm cut out to do this you know was there a point you were starting to really get worried like oh my god i might uh, have to start looking at aerospace jobs no i mean not really because i promised myself i wouldn't look back but also like thinking to myself worst comes to worst i'll end up in a community paper which is not a bad thing at all no you it's know? not and i was like oh, I, you know maybe i'm not cut out to be in the big leagues which is fine you know yet I'd probably because yeah, you're still a kid yeah i mean i wasn't sure i was like all my friends were in the big leagues at that point you know or like aspiring to be in the big leagues mm-hmm. so even uh so i went on and right around when I finished at the post, the uh, the Ohio called me back, and then they were like, "Hey, you still want to finish up your program?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure." And uh, but I'm out of money, and they're like, "Well, we have scholarships." And I was like, "I was like, well, why didn't you say so?" <laughs> that would be nice to know a year and a half ago. <laughs> I didn't have to like blow my savings but I went back and just did that one more year <laughs> you can't I, afford to get another car crash <laughs> yeah basically no I cannot get it uh, afford to be in another car crash uh, so I did that and finished up my year and then I met a, a gentleman named Andrew Doublegold who was a uh, director of multimedia for the New York Times at Ohio U okay so this is where it starts this is where it starts and he like I guess kind of was took a I guess we jived early on and did you know him or meet him when you were interning uh no i met him in ohio he came as a speaker to ohio U before i did an internship at the new york times okay so i met him there i applied for an internship and i told him i was applying and then he said he you know i don't know what he i don't know if he did anything i mean probably not but uh i did get an internship at the new york times and and moved to new york afterwards and uh when i was there was uh, really tapped. I mean, I kid you not. It's pretty funny. The the A one or projects editor at that point, who's now the director of photography there, 
came up to me and was like, oh, hey, uh, you're young, you're hip, you're cool. Uh, you must know how to do video. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah, totally, totally. And uh, it's like, great, we got this project. We need a photographer to shoot video on. And you'll be like, you'll be going on it. And little did I know what I was signing up for. I had signed up for a, a year-long project to be second photographer to one of my photographic heroes, which was Damon Winter at that point. Oh, and wait a minute. Hold on. Love Damon. But you're jumping into the deep end and had no clue? No, because I went home that night after they asked me if I shot a video on a YouTube, how to shoot video <laughs> on a 5D Mark II. And looking at it and going, we're buying our cameras off of eBay. <laughs> we're Googling how to, and now we're watching YouTube to shoot video. I mean, and then I, that's where I like saw those Vince Lafare videos for Reverie or whatever it yeah. was. And I'm yeah. just like, oh, this is how you do it, I guess. And I watched all these like DIY and tutorials on YouTube about how to record sound separately and then syncing it and all that stuff. And I remember thinking to myself, oh my God, what did I get into? <laughs> believe i said yes to this and i flew out the next day with a tripod with that camera what camera 5d mark ii oh god like you know and a lens a bunch of lenses and microphone like, microphones i was like no idea how to use my mics yet how to use wireless mics and all that stuff i just like on the fly just like had to figure it out i was just like but i also traveled with an uh, audio producer so she was really good about capturing most of the sound i didn't have to worry too much about it but oh, it was thank god she was there nerve, it was a, it was a, a military funeral i was so i had never seen a military funeral in my life before that even so i had no clue i was walking into oh boy so it was just like fly but it's you know flying by the seat of my pants figuring it out <laughs> Yeah, anyways, I wasn't That's sure. That's a big ordeal. Where was it at? Was, wasn't it Arlington? I think it might have been in uh, uh, upstate New York. Okay. Yeah, like near Watertown or something. Oh, boy. Yeah, I don't remember where it is exactly. It might have been Syracuse. I Just like it's, my memory doesn't serve me very well. But I guess since I did that and they saw that I could shoot photos and video and, you know, when multimedia was a thing right like i said that quote explosion. unquote appearances. yeah the explosion you know i had skipped the whole sound slides phase <laughs> yes yes that whole phase yeah so i had just been so i did this and then and then and then and then, and then they trusted me to do the next story which really was the story that i felt like launched my career or at least like taught me a lot about my shooting style and everything else that followed afterwards and it was a story about uh, two little boys watching their dad go to war the home front yeah basically and then the dad coming back and getting uh and then um injured and all that stuff but yeah i mean that story we followed for a while so <laughs> i want to talk about that story because it's in, in my research, that's where I found very interesting because you now have to really create images and deal with subjects mm. on a really heartstring pulling level. Right. How were you ready for that? You know, I don't think I ever was because, like, I think I went into it just knowing that, like, I've got to spend enough time with these people to trust me. And I think I did that. I just wanted to go in and, and get to know them, tr you know, have them trust me. And I think I got the boys to trust me enough, you know, yeah, to the point where, like, you know, if, you know, I felt like they were family, they were, like, playing catch with me, we were racing around, like, you know, um, 
Do you think it helped that you were still young? I think I mean, it did. Not, not that you're old, but like you weren't 61 showing up? Probably. I mean, it helped that I was so, not just young, I was just way too immature for my age. And I was like thinking like on the same age as them. You know, sure. I was just like, uh, you know how they say, if, even if you're 25, you think like a 15 year old. Uh -huh. Like, so like that. Like, I wasn't that much older than them mentally, you know, or emotionally. And, uh, and they were totally great. Uh, about it and uh it was tough i mean I, I remember the biggest most important shoot was the dad arriving home from r and r and i remember thinking to myself i botched that shoot because i didn't know i wasn't thinking about composition i wasn't thinking about anything i was just like trying to catch the moment and missed out on everything else but because it was shot on video the moment was so visceral and raw that like you know i guess most people overlook the the whole like artistry of it part yeah so I saw it. I won't hold it against you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> I mean, I was. It's a tough moment. I was an intern. Yeah, you got little boys, and then you got this. I was father shaking. And, I was yeah. thinking, like, oh, what is this? I've never done this before. Like, what are you gonna do? Like, it's a I jetway. Was, I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, I have no idea. So I did that, shot that, um, and then spending time with them really made me think about my process more because I started to compose better because I started to have more time to think about the shots and started to have more time to think about what to expect so every time we visited them I thought about the images I needed to make or try to make that's different did so, your process slow down and so you were thinking about it yeah I think so I mean like not slow down like completely but like because I wasn't like there for six months I would be there for a day or two and come back maybe in two months and be there another day or two so like we didn't have like the resources of the I didn't have the resources of the means to like spend all that time to do a documentary project with them mm -hmm. you know so I had to be I had to be decisive about what I was going to shoot okay so I think that made me more uh, that helped me cultivate an economical mindset in terms of my images like i needed to like line things up better and needed to think about like the kinds of images i want to make as opposed to just showing up and just following a subject for like six months you know what i mean because yeah. anybody can do that and they're bound to make good images because they're there the entire time but if you're just coming in for a day or two and then leaving and then coming back in, following up in a month for a day or two, like you have to be decisive about when you show up and what's going on that those two days you're yes. there, you know, and all those stuff. This requires a lot of pre-planning. Yeah. And, and so did you that you that planning become natural to you? Did you under, did you get it? Like you couldn't just show up and the boys weren't doing anything. You needed to show up on important days. Yeah, I thought yeah, I mean, I had a, a wonderful co-worker her name is Katrin Einhorn. She was uh, the reporter and also the producer for the piece and she was instrumental in teaching me that process because she had to do audio for it. So she needed something to go on to. So she was explaining that to me a, a lot of times. So I learned a lot working alongside her the entire way. Good. You know, just because it's like, yeah, you're right. We can't just sit around and do nothing. You yeah. know? Uh, so Time's precious at that point. Yeah. So I did that story and uh, uh, I went back and forth to uh, Wisconsin and Watertown and did that story. And I remember not thinking much about it, actually. I also don't think much. I don't try to like put a lot of value on, on, on things uh, uh, to not overhype things um, and 
And when we launched this story as part of the year uh, to join like several different video packages to the year at war, I also didn't think much of it then other than like, oh, I like this edit. I like this piece. Like, you know, it's fine. And I remember my, my, my co, my fellow intern at that time, uh, his name was Ben Solomon came up to me on and we were on a bathroom break or something like at the vending machine he's like he's like, yo bud this video is awesome and i was like yeah you don't know what you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> you're blown off bandit at the vending machine Jeez. i know he tried to high five me i was like eh it's okay <laughs> <laughs> was that the first time you had entered contests or things have been entered for you uh you know they entered it for me uh, basically mm-hmm. and I didn't really think about entering contests at all like I've never been a real contest person until my job required me to enter contests right uh, so and it, they entered it for me and, and next thing you know uh, that piece uh, got I guess scored a world press prize and I've never even heard of old press at that point. <laughs> God, Marcus, to live in your world, I know, you're still I'm just a like, gamer. Oh man, what is this thing in Amsterdam? Do we all have to go to Amsterdam now? I guess. I'm just like shrugging. I was like, okay, I guess we'll have to fly to Amsterdam and do this thing. So we all flew to Amsterdam, and 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 it was quite a treat. I've never been around so many like world class photojournalists in one moment. And and I wasn't even sure what to think of it then. And I met so many interesting people there. You know, I met Dave Burnett there. Oh. I met Daniel Baruhulak there. Like you know, all these big names. You know, and just watching them talk and interact with people and work and looking at their photos and I'm thinking to myself, wow, this is like, this is like the pantheon of photojournalism. <laughs> I didn't even notice. This is amazing. They're all here. They're all here. And I'm just a scoopball. I bought like a a a. a a $200 Macy's suit with this thing oversized Macy's I didn't even know what to wear it was way oversized like the suit set and I had a bow, yellow bow tie on and everybody's just like who's this kid <laughs> was, that's fantastic yeah you're just living the dream I was like it was it was pretty funny like thinking I mean I, I see those photos now I'm just like oh man I was such a goofball <laughs> oh, that's priceless, though. Yeah, so we did that, and then uh, at the so year. So there's your uptick again on that roller coaster. Yeah, I mean, it was like a lot of people started to see my name, and and I had just finished my internship at the Times then, and was transitioning into being a freelancer. So that definitely helped my freelance career uh, in yeah. New York. <laughs> and then, and then anytime I, you've made a trip to Amsterdam, it it's an uptick in your freelancing. Yeah, and then I would say that like that whole project, the year at war piece had uh was awarded the uh the national emmy award um and that was another uptick again so that helped me score uh attention from enough clients to give me work for the next two three years basically uh fantastic and the times kept hiring me to to shoot their dailies so and you're living in new york living in New York I was working almost seven days a week like shooting two assignments a day like just doing their dailies you know you know one to two assignments uh, and then for big news coverage I would just stay on and try to do as much as I can so this was freelancers I mean not any different from any other freelancer in New York I didn't think I, at that point I also realized I, I don't think I didn't think I was that much of a standout in New York and I, in fact I thought I was pretty mediocre in New York uh looking back and I was just like hmm, this was okay time I think the only thing that I had for me was that like I lived cheap 
I had a, a, a very cheap apartment in uh, Upper Manhattan, like all the way up in the 200th Street. Like, wow. you know, like lived with the Russians and Dominicans. Like my overhead was low. I did not. <laughs> I chose to live up there because I did not want to live in Brooklyn where, where everybody was living. Oh, God. It was also expensive. And I also thought to myself, Smart well, the only kid. way I was going to make it as a, a, a daily photographer is I, is I live geographically separate from the other photographers. <laughs> and that was the smartest move of my end, I thought, because I ended up getting a lot of assignments in Upper New York and Manhattan and Bronx and Yonkers and like New Jersey. Right, because you're that guy. You're the go-to. Yeah, I mean, I had that coverage here all to myself, Cornet, basically. And, and there's I, a lot of stuff that happens up there. Yeah, I mean, it was like, a, I had a great run because I had a variety of assignments from news to food assignments to features to, I was just all up there. I never at any point stepped foot into Brooklyn, like, oh, which was, all Queens for that matter, very few times. And, and, and I was thinking to myself, like, it sucks to it sucks to be the photographer living in, in Brooklyn, having to to you know advertise yourself when there are a million photographers mm-hmm. living in Brooklyn. Yep. So that was a that was a good good run, I would say. I would so I did that for for almost three years, and I applied for this job in Seattle. Uh, well, let me take a few steps back. I. Uh, I started about my third year at the end of my second year, third year in New York, I started to feel a little rut again where I just like thought to myself, well, I'm starting to shoot the same assignments every year. Like some That's things like, are, are recurring, right? Does that newspaper recurring <laughs> exactly. happens? Exactly. It's like, eh, Pride Parade, like, you know, Jazz Festival, uh-huh. the summer features, uh, shoot like, you the know, snow, snow yeah. kids' new, school. Right. I did three New Year Eve ball drops, oh, like, God. you know, yeah. where you have to file your deadline is actually five minutes after midnight, mm-hmm. like in Times Square. Like, I was just talking to my, a photo editor uh, uh, who used to work those scenes. It's like, I remember ball drops at midnight. I would count to 120 Mississippis. For, for, that is enough time for me to pull my laptop out of the bag, <laughs> plug in the card, find one photo, s- caption and send. Like 120 seconds. God. In uh, Times Square with very little cell reception. Yeah, because everybody else is on it. Exactly. You have only one, so you have to compress your file under under one meg and try to send it out. Like it was just, Jesus. it was a routine I did for three years. Like, and I remember thinking to myself, oh, that's not bad. Uh, But that will get you in a rut. Yeah. Yeah, I thought so. I mean, it kind of, I felt like a little tired after that because, A, I think living in New York makes you tired. I don't think it was like the repetition of it, but I think living in New York does make you tired. Uh, and I think doing the same things and, and not being challenged after that will make you tired. You know, I ended up doing a few more stories for the times, like big projects. I worked on a three-part series on a hockey player, uh, Derek Bogard, uh, who passed away. And uh, it, was a good, it was a good time. I, I spent a lot of time with uh, my cohorts, Shayla Harris and John Branch, and we crisscrossed Canada together for that story. And again, it was like a hybrid multimedia situation. I shot photos and videos for that project. for six, like, I did that for six months, basically, which was great for my paycheck you know what i mean right are you feeling more are you shooting more video in that time i was so, shooting a lot more video at that point and it was just like and, and i was trying to get video assignments more than photo assignments mm-hmm. and i think that was the uptick of this like the uh this whole 
I guess, winning the World Press Prize was that people saw me as a video person or a hybrid person more. Right. So I was getting a lot of video times and that paid better, you know, at that point because nobody knew what they were they wanted or something and I was just shooting a lot of stuff. Yeah, it's basically. more work. Yeah, it's more work, but I wasn't editing anything. I was just shooting and handing over raw footage. So I did that and then... Uh, yeah, I mean, I felt this rut coming and I kind of thought to myself, I need to figure out what to do. And I, and I asked the Times, like, I remember, I remember having this conversation with them. This is very funny. With uh, who? Who are you talking um, with at this point? The director of photography. Oh. Um, <laughs> He's like, Marcus, again? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'm sh- I remember having this conversation and, and, and Michelle McNally, the director of photography at AME there at that point was like, kind of told me like, in a very blunt way that she was not impressed with my photography. She did not feel like I had it in me yet to become a world-class photographer to work at the Times. And also told me, and B, she's like, you're too young to be on staff here. So she kind of brushed me off. And and that kind of broke my heart for a second. And I kind of like thought to myself, you know what, I'll prove her wrong. And like, you know, and I never held it against her because I kind of thought to myself, that was the best thing she ever did for me was to just like tell me the truth, you know? Mm-hmm. And that made me work harder and that kind of made, spurred me to want to change things up. And I thought to myself, okay, I'm leaving this lucrative career, uh, this freelance career in New York. I'm going to try something dumb, which is I'm going to go work at a newspaper, like a small, like not small, but like. Not the Times, but Not smaller. the Times. Like yep. it's, 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 I think if you, a lot of people, a lot of, some of my photo editors at the Times were like, are you sure you want to? leave a lucrative freelance career because you're one of the highest paid freelancers here now like you're the one we use the most often you're like top five or something it's like do you want to go take a job at a mid-sized paper now like a you know small mid-sized paper regional Mm -hmm. paper you know it's not the same right right there's seven million people in manhattan they don't even fly people out of that city like you know for regional coverage you drive everywhere yeah yeah (laughs) you know and you probably won't do projects and you'll just do dailies and shoot sports and all that stuff i thought to myself Hmm. Yeah. Why not? I mean, what could I lose? <laughs> Let's I mean, do it. I mean, what comes to us? I can always move back to New York. New York's always going to be there. It's not going anywhere. <laughs> exactly. So it's a, it's a, it's one of those weird things where like, uh, it was a leap of faith, and I, I just thought to myself, I either I do it and prove to myself I can do it. I had no clear plan though. I didn't know where what the next step is. I just thought. I needed to do there this. There will be a next step. You just don't know what. Exactly. I thought, let's get this training done. Uh, I accepted a residency at the Seattle Times, which is basically a three-year staff position. And so I thought to myself, well, three years is a good enough time to really like work up your, 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 your what's the word, uh, kinks in your workflow mm-hmm. and your eye and all that stuff. And it's like, okay, the goal of d- doing this job was to develop myself as a, a, a future staff photographer or independent photographer to come up on my own ideas and take charge of my my work basically instead of just doing what people tell me to do right make your craft at this point yeah so showed up just moved to seattle showed up and started just learning community journalism all over again and pitching stories you know and just like here it's what i want to so i would do get my assignments like most days at the Seattle Times, I had a, 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 a um, I mean, I remember the, sh- the, the, the dismay in their editor's face when I told them I don't really shoot sports. They were like, what? 
we have nothing but sports assignments here. <laughs> and we I was have like, a baseball team. We baseball have baseball team, football team, team like yeah, everything. College, yeah. And I've been thinking to myself, yeah, I could shoot that. It's fine. I mean, but then it ended up they sent me to some stuff and then they ended up like deciding that they didn't want me shooting sports after a while. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I guess it must have been that bad. <laughs> I thought I tried very hard to make my sports photos look decent. I got the ball in there half the time. Okay, so all right. It worked and, and it didn't. And, and But I guess what I, I excelled at was I, I would often find try to find interesting photo packages to do and I'd pitch it every weekend or like this is what I want to do for my Friday and Saturday I'd pitch it and then go do it and deliver it you know what did you come up with what interesting pitches did you have oh you know because it's funny if they've lived in Seattle and you think it's new they're like oh we, we've already seen that yeah I mean they, they, I think they, they had that attitude for the most part because uh, I pitched like a blind workshop woodworking workshop I pitched like uh, 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 a story about a lady riding for Burmese refugees uh, I pitched it's all these random stories that I found uh, I pitched the uh, Burmese refugees playing soccer with each other with you know ethnic soccer basically um and then, uh, how are you finding your stories or, or creating uh, your? So I devote a day of the week, uh, usually a Monday or a Tuesday, whatever my first, my Mondays are, my first day of the week, to do research, call all these people, ask them if there's a story there, and if I can come shoot it. Wow! And write out a pitch, a quick like one paragraph pitch to the photo editor. This is what I want to do, and I got access. Can we go? You know. And so one day a week, just like have like a, a story list of things and you could call it the cupboard. You store your mm-hmm. stories away, yep. you know, possible, not even stories, photo packages, photo right. ideas. Like, you know, it's just picture packages. That's what they love running at the Seattle Times. So it's just photos without words, mm-hmm. you know, without any stories attached to it. And, uh, Would and they it, give it a page, a two page? Maybe they give it a page, but they have a lot of play online, like a big unfurled page, okay. you know, which was fine with me. Uh, and there were a great set of photographers there to work with. Uh, you know, there was uh, Bettina Hansen, Erica Schultz, Alan Berner, uh, all great photographers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike Siegel and uh, Dean Rutz. I love Dean Rutz. That guy's hilarious. Yeah, Dean's great. Um, so I, I doubt that. I would say the Seattle Times was probably the newspaper that shaped me the most. Uh, uh, partly because I had so many things going for me there I had uh, I had broken uh, not broken I had like injured myself I twisted my ankles both ways I almost broke it wait so, wait twisted it both ways both ways at a country music concert like, so you twisted to the outside and then I tried to like re- and then you reba- twisted yep rebalance and twisted the other way and it was just like cause I wanted to save the, the lens I was holding, the, the 500 F4 lens, uh, you know, I used for the concert. Uh-huh. I didn't want it to drop in the floor. I didn't want a repeat of the You AP. didn't want a repeat of the breaking <laughs> it, the 400 to Exactly. A. So doing that, I twisted my leg. <laughs> <laughs> so this was like a month or two in to that, to that job, and I was immediately sidelined. Immediately. What, did it swell up like a grandma's I couldn't walk ankle? for, I could, yeah, I couldn't walk for like, like two months or something. Couldn't really do anything. So, wow. Did you tear anything or just really, really bad? It was really, really bad. Like, and I had to go through rehab and therapy and all that stuff. And uh, I would say that a, uh, that, and I remember thinking to myself, like, I, 
that really put me down really quick because that really like brought me down thinking like I'm I'm so useless like I'm now <laughs> I was working the desk as a photo editor and I'm just thinking to myself oh my god this is the worst like you know and I but I had fun as a photo editor too because I, I love picture editing um, but I knew it wasn't my place in time to be a picture editor yet mm-hmm. you know with and your I, swollen ankle and boot probably on yeah yeah <laughs> it didn't help I mean there were a lot of like yeah but that paper really formed me as a photographer because I had so many uh, adversities at that paper um, adversities with like uh you know, I had like a, a, a personality clash, you know, maybe with a, a manager there. And I okay. had like, I won't go into details, but like I had like, it's just me just wanting to work really, 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 really hard, you know. Uh, and then uh, I think it was a different culture in Seattle. I mean, I'm, I mean, yeah. They had their pace. You had yours. I had a different pace from most people. And I think that Do you really. you think that was a little bit of New York too? That was a New York thing. Yeah, that was definitely a New York mentality coming in and constantly just wanting to grind, basically. Right. So, I work 28 hours a day. Yeah, I mean, I didn't... <laughs> I eat pizza right on the subway and I yeah, deal with it. Yeah, I think it. that they weren't used to that. They weren't no, used to, no. to somebody working on... This. They weren't used to somebody saying, I don't care about life work-life balance. Yeah. They're not used to that. In fact, like, the motto of the company was, like, 80-20. Like, good enough is good enough. Like, you right. know what I mean? Yes. And I'm, I remember thinking to myself, like... That's a, you know, that's the, the dumbest thing I've ever. Heard. I mean, that was the young me, but like, <laughs> but you know, I had a total respect for everybody there, and I really thought they were great people. And um, what really set me apart was just I just worked at a different pace, and I think they were expecting something else. And I, I had an, I had my own plans of what I wanted out of this experience, and I was just gunning for it, you know, nonstop. I was just like, I'm going to get something out of this. I'm going to grow. I'm going to like. You know, and I think they were expecting somebody to just slide right in and be comfortable. Know. Yeah, I'll do yeah. this. Right, I'll take right. in the coffee shop experience. Yeah, and, oh. it, and it has a lot to do with like, I mean, I mean, in all honesty, they probably thought I was difficult. Uh, and and I will say that like I'm more, I'm very stubborn when I work, mm-hmm. and I will admit that part. And and you know if if you're listening out there photo editors at the Seattle Times I'm really sorry <laughs> no no you're not sorry because you're you're supposed to grind you're supposed to beat the best at your craft or work to be the best and want more right there's i hate satisfied i hate 8020 Right. Like I want to work around people that are better than me and I want to be better than them and I want to whoop their ass and I want it to be a challenge. I don't want it to be comfortable and wear slippers and we're all just kind of working. Yeah. I hate that. Well, I didn't say they were. I think they no, all, no, but they that's all me. work hard. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, but you get a lot of that in newspaper staffs. It doesn't matter if it's name that newspaper. Yeah. I a think lot it's of because times people it's, have their own lives. Yes. Yeah, they have kids, they have family, like things get in the way. Like life happens. I get it now. I'm much I'm a little older and more mature, so I get it. I get mm-hmm. that life happens. Yes. And uh, so the younger me didn't understand that. And, and that's that's and, young stallion. That's what it's like being yeah. young. And I think I was just gunning it. And I think the and I wasn't there in Seattle for very long. I was there for a year and four months, like literally like, and I ended my three year like contract with them, you know, uh, to come down to the LA times to take another leap of faith basically. Uh, but anyways, the thing that really set me apart at the Seattle times, the experience that really, really pushed me over the edge there was like, 
there was a, a deadly landslide in in Oso, Washington, like a couple hours north of Seattle, an hour north, I guess, like a two, if you if the roads weren't cut off. Um, and when that happened, I remember being the the you know. This is also a, another solid advice: always work the weekends because I was on that weekend. Everybody was off, and I was just out shooting a, a must have been like a, a Nordic or Nordic beer festival or something. Okay. And I got a phone call, a voice message from the the news editor. You know, I was like, "Hey, call me back. Emma's a landslide. We need you to go." And I was like, "Uh, okay, sure. <laughs> Happy to leave this beer festival." You know. Right. Thinking to myself, "Oh, finally, like news." And like, and I went up there. Oh man, it was more than I had bargained for. It was just like insane. Uh, now, on your drive out there, you got two hours. What's being said to you? What yeah. are they communicating it was to a, you? Actually, the, the part that I drove was only like 45 minutes to an hour north. Okay. And then I drove to as far as I could before I hit the roadblocks. And I remember the, as soon as I get there, the, the thing, I mean, my photo editors weren't even in yet. At that point, I was just going out there to check it out. The first time I heard from my photo editor was after I hit the roadblock, the state trooper told me, you can't go in. It's like, I can't? It's like, yeah, you can't. It's like, it's a landslide back there. Like it's, it's the, the ground is still moving. You might get killed. And I was like, well, I need to take pictures. Like, well, I never said you couldn't walk in. So <laughs> I ditched my car and walked in. About like maybe a mile or two, a mile in on foot, my photo editor called me. He's like, where are you? like oh i'm walking into the landslide. i was like are you crazy like that thing is still he's like, he just repeated what the state trooper told me like <laughs> and he's like i was like oh well i, I want to make pictures and he was like well you know here's what you do why, why don't we we take a step back and look at a big, bigger picture you can make all the photos on the ground which is fine it's not going to like the, the better picture would be from a helicopter why don't we put you in a helicopter so and i was like huh i i i, I mean I saw the quickly saw the wisdom in that afterwards, and <laughs> yeah. I was like, "Oh, okay, yeah, I think you're right. I think like I can be on the ground and get all the dramatic like landslide photos, but we need the news picture here, which is you know an aerial shot of the devastation. At that point, we have no idea how big it was. No, you have no clue. So drove out to walk back backwards, didn't make a picture yet. Drove out to a helipad, talked to the pilot. Put he they chart the company had charted me a helicopter and then we flew up and flew as close as we could because it was a TFR around the landslide. Okay. And I remember thinking to myself like, oh you know, oh god. And I was in an R twenty two helicopter, really small rickety helicopter. Yeah. The door was there was no door <laughs> on this helicopter. And I remember the whole chopper was just shaking yeah, the entire way. Yeah, that lawnmower engine spinning as fast as it can. I was, sometimes it would just drop a little bit because the engines wouldn't keep up. Uh-huh. And I was like afraid for my life. And I was just like, oh, God. What gear do you bring? What do you even think of? Uh, you know, I had all, I only went with the gear I had at that point, which was, a. Uh, uh, thankfully, I packed a 100 to 400 with me. Smart I think. boy. Uh, and and I'm so lucky to have that. And I just went up there and just shot. And when I remember coming through the clouds and seeing that landslide for the first time, my eyes are just a big reveal. And it's like thinking myself, we both, me and the pilot, went, "Holy crap! That thing is huge!" Wow. Uh, shot the photos. Uh, landed, filed it immediately, and I think that's what made national headlines uh, that day, the next day, basically on the, all the even. In, I think the New York Times ran a front page photo with that aerial shot, 
So I remember thinking to myself, well, I never got any of this dramatic like rescue shots or whatever, right? Right. You ground. never worked the ground. I never worked the ground. So I want to. So I, I went back. I, uh, and met up with a fellow uh, reporter, Alexa Vaughn, who was uh, sort of my partner in crime in Seattle. And like, we talked about like, what should we do? And she was like, well, there is a town on the other side of the landslide named Darrington. And they're pretty cut off from the world because, you know, the roads close. It's like, oh, interesting. And they, she was telling me the rescues are all staged from the other side. Huh. So I was like, well, how do we get there? We have to like do a four hour loop, like, you know, oh, up God. the mountains and back. Or something along those lines. I mean, I I may be wrong about how long it took, but like I remember driving forever just right. to get to this town. And we went there, and we staged there. And I think I stayed there for like two to three weeks and never left. Really? <laughs> like with very little clothes on my back, anything. Like I wore the same underwear <laughs> for <laughs> yeah. two to three weeks. I mean, like it's funny. It's, it wasn't funny then, but it's funny now. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I remember washing my clo- my 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 inner clothes, like you know, every night. You know, uh-huh. hoping it dry the next day. <laughs> oh, Jesus! <laughs> oh, God, the life of a photojournalist. I mean, I never left because I thought this is it. This is like I I needed to work this because I I I I I I don't know and they, and then. Were you filing every day? I was filing every day. I was trying to find things going, uh, find news stories, follow the news. You know, where are you sleeping? Uh, Thankfully, there was a motel there, uh, a little Darrington Inn motel, Motor Inn motel, and we had gotten there early enough before the big TV stations came into town. Right. So you made that headquarters. Yeah, we we booked two rooms like indefinitely. Like I was like, I'm gonna book two rooms. This is like what I learned from New York book the rooms indefinitely don't uh-huh. let it go because tv station will come in and they'll book like 10 rooms and right. ho- and clog up the rooms because they don't want competitors coming in yep so so we did that and me and uh alexa the reporter were camped out there and we just did everything we could do to send dispatches basically from out there and i remember the entire time like from time to time my every couple of days my editors would ask me very gently like do you do you want to be relieved like, can we send a replacement? Like, you know, and I was like, nope, I'm all right here. Like, you know, and I just stayed put and I kept working it. And um, what are you trying to achieve at that point? Are you trying to find humanity, sorrow? Like, what's the angle you're trying to? I guess why I wanted to stay and and keep grinding was because I felt like I wasn't making the images that that really spoke to me yet, or at least like find yeah, like you said, find the humanity in it. And I felt like if I was just like tapping in, shot some photos, tap out, get replaced. Like I was just like, what's the word? Just punching in and punching out, mm-hmm. clocking in and clocking out. Yep. And just like, you know, doing like a daily newspaper job. But if I stayed on, I really was committed to the news coverage, the whole thing through and through basically. Yes. So. I mean, two weeks in your underwear is committed. I mean, yeah. it's a commitment it sounds funny we giggle but I mean oof. I mean you're you're working hard yeah yeah it was a, I would say it was cold it was wet it was like miserable you're eating crap you're living you know, off of a bad hotel I mean you're, but you're working your heart out yeah I mean I didn't make a lot of incredible images but it was an incredible uh, experience that formed me basically like it was kind of the kind of coverage that like I, I think that coverage really set the tone for the rest of my career. 
you know it was like i'm i think this is what i'm going to be doing from now on like right. with all these big news assignments and new big stories you know which is stay put stay committed and see it through never never check out like you know until you, you think it's done until you are told it's done you know mm -hmm. always be the last one that leaves the news scene right yeah so i think when i left like two or three weeks afterwards like everybody are already pulling out at that point i'm just like waiting for everybody to pull out <laughs> right so that much i learned from that experience uh i don't think any of my photos from that from that coverage were was that great uh uh, but I did try to capture I felt like I, I, I got to know some people then I captured as much humanity I could possibly capture within my uh, what's the word to the best of my ability yeah that was part one of my conversation with Marcus thank you for listening and please subscribe if you enjoyed this episode